life to a brand new day, all the way from the wastelands of California. My name is Michael, and I am a mere figment of your imagination. I look forward to once again serve you those sounds of salvation. First-time listeners turn on, tune in, and drop out. This is a very different kind of show, a place where we don't feel so alone. Let us chase away the light no matter what you at home choose to believe. I do admire you. For your curiosity, joining me this evening is a very special guest. I'm positive you'll recognize him immediately. It's not his first rodeo here. It certainly won't be his last. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen, for allowing me into your hearts and into your minds. Here I am again, vaguely lovable. Don't be shy, ladies and gentlemen, and those in between. Tonight, we will be touching upon numerous topics, and this is always an open discussion. You too can get involved. Your phone calls are always needed. That number is 760 Now let's get down to brass tacks and bring on Mr. Jim Fetzer. Jim, how are you? Oh, just delighted to be back with you again, my friend. A real pleasure. Clockwise, Jim. And even before we started, we had a little chat about the NFL, which me and you both agree that it's completely corrupted. It's a shame. I've got a fellow who, with whom I've been a correspondent for many years, and he has regularly been able to predict the winners and the losers based on the betting line out of Las Vegas. My goodness. Yeah, that's a shame, Jim. By the way, how are you, Jim? What's going on with you? It's always an absolute honor and privilege to share the air with you yet again. Well, I think the moment of disillusionment for me with the NFL was a Patriots-Seahawks game where the Seahawks had an unbelievably successful catch. It was almost a miraculous catch. It put them on the one-yard line with like, uh, you know, 20 seconds to go. Uh, where they had this great back who could have easily run it in, and instead on the first down, uh, it was the uh, pass was made. Uh, Russell Wilson made a pass right into the hands of a Patriot. They actually even had a deliberate offside by the tight end to ensure that they get uh, a larger margin, so it would be more than a yard. I mean, it was just awful, just absolutely god awful what happened there. It was such a blatant giving away of the game. I'm told before they go in, they're told if they're going to win or lose, you know, they just make it come out that way, which is relatively effortless because they're so highly qualified as athletes that they can, you know, pull off the plays if you simply reduce your defense by a relatively modest margin and the fans are by and large not aware what's going on at all. Oh, yes. Many people are completely oblivious to all that goes on behind the scenes at the NFL. And of course, for those that don't know who you are, Jim, you are the real deal, an actual whistleblower, activist, an author of many essential books, highly controversial and thought-provoking, a victim of the anti-freedom of speech movement. Your accolades far surpass uh, most, to say the least, my friend. Well, those are... Very kind words. My position is that if a a case isn't complex and controversial, it's not worth bothering. I mean, if if it's not complex, it's not going to require analysis, where I regularly bring together the best experts to dissect what's going on, and then we have the benefit of mutual criticism and sharing research and critiquing one another, and then I publish the results and 
in books that are intended to inform the American people of what really happened. And of course, if it's not controversial, you know, no one cares. So I wind up dealing with very complicated and very controversial cases. I began in a very strong position with JFK, however, where I brought together a world authority on the human brain who was also an expert on wound ballistics, a PhD in physics who was also an MD and board certified in radiation oncology, which of course is a treatment of cancer using x-ray therapy, which makes him an expert in the interpretation of, of uh, x-rays. A physician who was in trauma room number one when JFK's moribund body was brought in and then two days later responsible for the care and treatment of his alleged assassin, Lee Oswald, a, a, a legendary photo and film analyst, uh, another PhD in physics, uh, this time with a specialty in electromagnetism, including the properties of light and images of moving objects, who did absolutely brilliant work exposing technical problems with the uh, Zupruder film, the most prominent of the home movies, that proved, based on its own internal features, that it had been manufactured which occurred at, at Hawkeye Works, a private CIA photo lab adjacent to Kodak headquarters in Washington, in, in Rochester, New York. And we discovered the autopsy x-rays had been altered by concealing a fist-sized blowout at the back of the head, that there was internal evidence of a second shot to the head, that the brain shown in diagrams and photographs in the National Archives was not even of the brain of JFK. And I'd gone from there to do you know, successive work. I had the three early on JFK, Assassination Science 1998, Murder in Dealey Plaza 2000, The Great Zapruder Film Hoax 2003, that basically shattered the cover-up. Because, Michael, once you sort out the authentic from the inauthentic evidence, it's relatively straightforward to sort out what happened here. In my fourth and most recent JFK, Who, How, and Why, I bring together expert studies and identify six of the eight shooters by name, rank, and serial number, the shots they fired, the effect they had. Only Domagard identifies a seventh. We've now discovered there was yet an eighth shooter whose identity remains unknown, but basically it falls out that when you recognize the different organizations and groups who were sponsoring the event, it appears each of them put up their own shooter. So we have a guy who was on top of the the, the county records building, who was a Dallas deputy sheriff by the name of Harry Weatherford. We had an Air Force expert inside the triple underpass by the name of Jack Lawrence. We had a CIA guy by the name of uh, Frank, Frank um, Sturgis, who may have been the best shot in the world. We had Malcolm Wallace, Lyndon Johnson's personal hitman in the in the Texas School Book Depository. We had an anti-Castro Cuban, uh, Nestor Tony Escadro, firing from the Dow Tax. He had Roscoe White and a Dallas police officer tied into the CIA in the grassy knoll. Then we had uh, Clyde Forshaw tied into the uh, uh, Toronto Bronfman family, who appears to have been representing Israel. And then we have one other, you know, maybe uh, representing the Texas oil men. I mean, uh, the groups involved here included the CIA because Jack was threatening to shatter the agency into a thousand pieces. They wanted to retain their power. The Joint Chiefs were disillusioned by Jack because he had not invaded Cuba 
contrary to the unanimous recommendation, he'd signed an above-ground test ban treaty with the Soviet Union, contrary to their unanimous opposition. Now he is pulling our forces out of Vietnam, where they believed a stand had to be taken against the expansion of international godless communism. He had the anti-Castro Cubans upset because they believed he had betrayed them at the Bay of Pigs, which was untrue. It turns out, in fact, that the Soviets had learned the date of the invasion and shared it with Fidel Castro, who knew we were coming, where we would be landing, and when. The agency discovered this so that all the key players were aware, except for the commander-in-chief. They set him up. Undoubtedly, JFK would have called it off under those circumstances. Then we had the mafia upset because Bobby was cracking down on organized crime, bringing more indictments and convictions than ever before in history. Because just as uh, J. Edgar had sex dossiers on members of Congress, the mafia had one on him in, a con in compromising photographs with his close personal friend Clyde Tolson so that Hoover wasn't able to acknowledge the existence of organized crime until the Joe Malachi hearings, during which he detailed the existence of organized crime and its structure with such specificity, it was no longer politically possible to deny. The Texas oilmen were upset because Jack was threatening to cut the oil depletion allowance, a huge tax write-off they obtained on the specious grounds that by pumping oil out of the ground as a finite resource, they were putting themselves out of business. You had Israel very upset with Jack because uh, he was at loggerheads with the uh, the David Ben-Gurion, who was a founder and the first prime minister of Israel, who wanted to develop nuclear weapons, where Jack was adamantly opposed, believing it would unleash the nuclear arms race in the Middle East. So all these powerful groups were eager to have Jack out. But Lyndon Johnson was a pivotal guy, the facilitator. He had uh, initiated the plot in Los Angeles in 1960 during the Democratic campaign, the convention where Jack beat him for the nomination and invited Stuart Symington of Missouri to be his running mate, when Bobby went by the Johnson suite to extend a pro forma offer, never imagining that Johnson would have the least interest, he was dumbfounded when he jumped on it, threatened to expose that Jack had Addison's disease and wasn't expected to live a long, healthy life, that he'd had dalliances with beautiful women, including one who was a spy for East Germany, using information he'd obtained from J. Edgar, and also added that if he were not his running mate, then he, any legislative proposal sent down by the White House would be dead on arrival because in his position as a powerful majority leader of the Senate, he'd bottle him up. Jack and Bobby tried to figure a way out, but Lyndon had them boxed in and they had to accede to his demands. When one of LBJ's wealthy donors heard about this. He burst into the Johnson suite cursing and swearing because now Lyndon would help JFK become president. Bobby Baker took him into a bedroom and explained what they had in mind. He came out all smiles, saying he thought that was an excellent plan. Bobby would later declare in public that JFK would not live out his first term and that he would die a violent death. And Lyndon Johnson would send his chief administrative aide, Cliff Carter, down to Dallas to make sure all the arrangements were in place for the assassination. That's the big picture on the death of our 35th president. My goodness. And of course, you can you also host your own talk show, Jim. And every time I ask you this, it's usually very late into the program. Uh, go ahead and plug your show now, Jim. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Well, 
both my blog at jamesfetzer.org, you'll find, you know, I publish uh, a lot of really important pieces. Most recently, uh, a wonderful uh, political, it's not quite a satire, uh, by an anonymous party about trying to figure out why Hillary lost the election that then goes through 20 or 30 major calamities in which Hillary was involved, scandals or, you know, criminal activities and so forth, which answers the question. Hillary, oddly enough, has shown a new guise, a new appearance. Uh, it, it looks as though it's by uh, surgery, but actually it, it's just a new body double where I had exposed that Hillary had used six or eight body doubles in the past. You'll see I put a, a photograph right at the top as a featured image on the blog we see Hillary in 1915 versus Hillary in, in 2015 versus Hillary in 2019. These are completely different people. This was a major blunder, Michael, because now Hillary herself won't be able to appear in public again, given that she won't look at all like this new person impersonating her. I have at 153news.net a video entitled uh, Fake News uh, Issues of Identity where I go through several major cases, including the, the, the identity of Lee Oswald at the book depository, because he was actually standing in the doorway when the motor gate passed by, which means that he not only cannot have been the lone demented gunman, but he cannot have even been one of the multiple shooters. I also talk about the death and replacement of Paul McCartney, which oddly enough evokes huge controversy and emotional reaction, almost on a par with denial that we went to the moon. Uh, but I also have, uh, you know, in this particular uh, video, uh, proof of Hillary's use of six or eight different body doubles. This happened right after the 9-11 event in New York where she collapsed. She was taken back to Chelsea's apartment, but the person who they sent out under anxiety that her health would become such a major issue, just like uh, one of my favorite actresses. Uh, and and, and uh, she was too young, too pert, too attractive. She didn't have any bodyguards. She didn't have her medical handler there. Uh, and, and it was clearly not Hillary Clinton. Then on the flight to Charlottesville, they had yet another, looks like another actress, uh, Meryl Street in the second instance, Meg Ryan in the first. So you had the Meg Ryan double, then you have the, Hill, the Meryl Street double. Uh, uh, the, the New York Times uh, did a piece about Hillary going to Broadway to four different shows, and they had photographs of these four different women at these four different shows. And I wrote to the reporter and said, that was a very interesting article, but none of those was Hillary Clinton. I mean, it's embarrassingly bad. Uh, Jim, I have to jump in here really quickly and say I do have a photograph of the most recent picture of Hillary Clinton up in the chat room now. And uh, yeah, I don't know what's going on here, but it seems like she probably got some Botox done. And you're saying that this is just another body double. Is that correct? Uh, that's not Hillary Clinton. Look at the, look at the eyes. Look at the eyes. That's not Hillary Clinton. This is another body double, and it, it's embarrassing because it's so bad. And the, and the calamity here, Michael, is that given this is out, if Hillary Clinton doesn't look like the new Hillary Clinton, she can't be seen in public. And, of course, Hillary Clinton looks like the old Hillary Clinton of 2015, not the new one. So she's basically taken her out of the public domain. In other words, this was a, a major blunder on her part. 
She has been so successful with these body doubles in the past. Let me tell you how bad it was. The person who appeared on the stage at the national debates, both with Bernie Sanders and later even with Donald Trump, was not Hillary Clinton, but one of her body doubles. You have to look at the evidence to believe it, because most would never imagine in their wildest dreams that could be the case. But if you go to the 153news.net and check out fake news, issues of identity, I lay it all out in spades and leave no doubt about it. So, yeah, I regard this as a highly unexpected blunder by Hillary Clinton that may indicate that she has lost it. Her state of health, of course, has been a very significant issue in the past. And there are some who worry that the symptoms she's showing are of uh, an unusual disease called Karoo, which is a, a, a endemic to cannibals from eating human human beings, that it eventually uh, manifests itself. And she is suspected of having been involved in cannibalism with regard to little children and satanic activities related to Pizzagate. I know this all sounds absolutely fantastic and beyond the pale, but I guarantee you there's enough evidence to suggest this is exactly what happened. When the NYPD came into possession of the Anthony Weiner laptops, they were horrified because there are videos there of Huma Abedin and Hillary Clinton with a 14-year-old girl that are so horrific that I will not describe them on the air because it will give your audience nightmares. But it's bad. <laughs> experienced detectives who thought they'd been through it all were reduced to tears by what they found on the Wiener laptop. Well, so, I, might, I might be reduced to tears right now staring at this uh, body double for so long. It's bizarre, isn't it? It's completely bizarre. I mean, yes. That is not Hillary Clinton. And look at the chipmunk aspect to it, Michael. Look how puffy those cheeks are. I mean, this was a very amateurish job, but it, it's because it isn't Hillary. See, I mean, this isn't just bad, uh, bad plastic surgery. It's not the same woman. I, I mean, they, it was obvious why they did it in relation to the campaign with the national debates on television. You had this younger, thinner, far more healthy version of Hillary Clinton. She had a voice box which you can actually see in some, from some angles, that gives her Hillary's voice. They have a technique now, a technology, that enables her to project Hillary's voice. So you're hearing Hillary's voice, and it's very difficult to not believe you're looking at Hillary, but I guarantee you 100% you are not looking at Hillary. And the fact that they get away with this on an, a national debate, you know, witnessed by 30, 40 million people. I mean, it's just staggering what's been taking place here. Amazing. And one thing I did want to bring up since we are talking about Hillary Clinton, after all, she did appear on the Howard Stern show just recently. And of course, we all have our feelings and our speculations have been proven correct. We've all thought Howard had uh, sold out, essentially, and he sort of admitted that to a caller on his program recently and, of course, bringing up Hillary on his program and not bringing up Jeffrey Epstein or any of the recent scandals that are going on is all too quite telling, my friend. I agree with you completely. Howard Stone, who calls himself the king of all media, was really a fascinating guy who had a great run, but I, I also have to concur that he has now sold out and no longer is worth the time, in my opinion. I, no, mean, I agree, yes. It's I mean, sad. Yeah, you know, it, it, 
he was always outrageous. I mean, that was largely sure. the way he'd have women guests, you know, take off their tops for him and so forth and talk about, you know, the most uh, private sexual experiences right. and so forth, for which he drew a huge following. I mean, I'm told that half of the usage of the Internet is to watch pornography. Well, Howard Spurn was like the next best thing. You know, and you had it live with all kinds of guests that you would never expect would be willing to display their breasts, but they were put it for Howard on his show. Just absolutely stunning stuff. Yes, sir. And of course, Jim, you are quite prolific at this point in time and space. When I first talked to you, I knew immediately that you're a bit like me in the sense that we both stand in front of the entire world and we'll go through the entire world in our act of defiance and intransigence. And I've been a fan of, I've been a fan and a friend of yours since, Jim. Well, you've been wonderful, Michael. And yes, I mean, I began with JFK, very strong start, but I pioneered collaborative research on controversial events. So that uh, my, my methodology is to take conspiracy theories from theories in the weak sense of conjectures, rumors, or speculations to conspiracy theories in the strong sense of empirically testable explanatory hypotheses like Newton's theory of gravitation, Einstein's theory of relativity, Newton's uh, uh, Darwin's theory of evolution. So uh, the key aspect being to sort out the authentic from the inauthentic, but in addition to Beginning with JFK, a huge amount on 9-11. I founded Scholars for 9-11 Truth in December 2015 and brought together experts from all around the world to participate in collaborative research. If you go to 911scholars.org, you can see what is basically the archive of the original organization where I invited Steve Jones, a physicist from BYU, to be my co-chair after David Ray Griffin declined. He told me years later it was because he, at the time, did not believe a society would make a difference, and he was just astonished by what happened here, because this, this organization took off like a rocket. Right. Here we had 800 members in four different categories. We created the website. We, we put out press releases. We sponsored lectures, organized conferences. I had won the first from scholars in Madison in 2007 on the science and politics of 9-11. I had another in 2012, the the Vancouver hearings in Canada. That was a sequel. I have published two books on 9-11, but many, many blogs. I've been flown around the world. I was uh, flown in December of 2006. My wife and I were flown to Athens, Greece. Right. We're on a television station uh, uh, program. That was hosted by the leading muckraking journalist in Greece who had been responsible for bringing down the the corrupt Greek governments. It was originally scheduled for three hours, extended to three and a half broadcast worldwide by satellite. They had absolutely sensational video clips from 9-11. They have a panel of 12, and I was told going in, you can expect only two or three will ask questions. And I said, no, not tonight. And I was exactly right. All 12 of them asked questions. I think that broadcast was probably the high water mark for the 9-11 movement. I would subsequently be flown to Buenos Aires in 2007 to give lectures on JFK and 9-11. And, and Michael, just to give you a contrast between the United States and in Argentina, they take intellectuals, academicians seriously, so that these lectures I was giving that year 
to small audiences were nevertheless reported on the front pages of the Argentine newspapers. And the following year, I was flown back to be the keynote speaker at an international symposium on 9-11 Truth and Justice that was held, where else? The National Library of the Republic of Argentina, where there were like a dozen television cameras there for the leading television uh, uh, studios and stations in the country and 200 VIPs. I mean, it was just astonishing the difference because here in the U.S., there's no respect whatsoever for serious scholarship. I mean, it's as though the, the mainstream media can drown out anyone who actually knows what they're talking about and substitute their own propaganda, which has been polished and honed to be received by a highly gullible audience, the American people, who, who in part justifiably, of course, don't have time for this. They're too busy earning enough uh, to make uh, keep a roof over their head and put food on the table to do serious research, but they also don't have the ability. The great benefit of the Internet, of course, is it shows all sides or did heretofore before they began censoring the Internet so massively that now Google and YouTube and Facebook and even Twitter, though to a lesser extent, have been taking down right and left virtually all of the uh, conspiracy research and conservative voices. It's an appalling record. But from nine, uh, JFK and 9-11, I moved to Wellstone, whose plane crash took place just 60 miles north of my office on the Duluth campus of the University of Minnesota, where I published 10 articles in an alternative newspaper, after the first of which I was brought on to Coast to Coast. Uh, Ian Punnett, who was a guest host from St. Paul, I think thought he could lampoon my research. But I'd already done enough that he was unable to debunk anything I had to say. It would eventually be published in a in a book with a, a co-authored with Don Four Arrows Jacobs, who's a Native American scholar who was not then with Northern Arizona University. The book is very hard to find these days. But uh, uh, Michael Rupert on his From the Wilderness newsletter featured a sequel research I did with John P. Costella. He, who has that PhD in electromagnetism? I flew John up here to the U.S. Uh, both for the conference on uh, the Great Zapruder film hoax, which was held on the Duluth campus in 2003, but subsequently to join me in research on the Wellstone plane crash, where we were tromping around in snow in 35 below zero weather, picking up pieces of the charred fuselage where John was really the key to sorting out what had happened there, how they created an electromagnetic field and then drew the plane into the wrong area two miles south of the airport by manipulating the GPS. No one had ever heretofore suspected that could even be done, but I was tipped off by a pilot who'd been flying east when the Wellstone plane was coming into the west, and when he reached his airport, he was landing about the same time the Wellstone plane was due, he found that he had this very odd notification he'd never received before about the GPS. And when he emerged from the clouds, he was two miles south of where he ought to have been. That was exactly what happened with Wellstone, two miles south. They created this electromagnetic field that popped the computerized components on the plane, including their, their uh, communication equipment, their navigation equipment, their stall warning, and they flipped the solenoids that control the pitch on the prop. So one of the mysteries of the plane when the crash was being investigated was that the, the props were on below idle, which meant, of course, it only had its glide path. 
the ratio for that plane, which is near King uh, A100, it was like one to 100. In other words, for every uh, uh, one unit uh, vertical drop, it would nevertheless glide 100 units forward uh, 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 horizontally. But that wasn't enough to keep them in the air. And definitely they crashed in the... In, in, a, in a soft pine area, but the wings were whipped off of the fuselage, as was the tail. Nevertheless, although the fuel is stored in the wings, the fuselage burned intensely for seven hours and could not be extinguished. They appear to have coated it with either magnesium or possibly nanothermite to guarantee it would destroy all the components of the plane, lest they be found out by discovering that these computerized components had, pop, had popped. A local school superintendent was in the vicinity and heard these popping sounds taking place, thinking initially they were from rifle shots, but they weren't. They were, you know, effects of these computer components popping inside the plane. Uh, uh, we published a book, and eventually uh, Snowshoe Films would publish. I think it was originally four hours. I believe they have now cut it down to two or two and a half. They killed Wellstone, where they interviewed the very witnesses that were the basis of our book. And you can find very detailed substantiation of the explanation I give in the book in the documentary from Snowshoe Films. With that as a background, I guess it was very unsurprising when Sandy Hook took place and then the Boston bombing and then Orlando and Dallas and then Charlottesville, Parkland, Las Vegas, that I would replicate the methodology of bringing together the best experts and publish books about it. In fact, when uh, the first of these new books about false flag events about Sandy Hook was published, I brought together 13 experts, one of whom, Dr. Ewan, had already published 80 articles about Sandy Hook. I myself had already published 30. So I took the best of the best in a book entitled Nobody Died at Sandy Hook. It went on sale on 22 October 2015 with Amazon, had sold nearly 500 copies when it was banned on the 19th of November because it was just too good. Well, my series editor, Mike Palachek, and I realized we had to have our own outlet. So we founded MoonRockBooks.com, and you know we have subsequently published altogether uh, a dozen books under that title, nine of which I edited, three of which are co or single authored, uh, one of which is, well, all three of which are very good, but one of which is quite brilliant on JFK by Larry Rivera, entitled The JFK Horseman, by which he's referring to the four motorcycle escort officers, all of whom he rediscovered interviews that a, a researcher by the name of Fred Newcomb had conducted with them in 1971, and he meticulously transcribed them and discovered all four of them and their supervisor, Stavis Ellis, confirmed how the limousine had been brought to a halt in Dealey Plaza, make sure JFK would be killed, that during that halt, one of them riding to the left rear, uh, Bobby Hargis parked his bike ran between the Secret Service vehicle and the presidential, which would have been impossible had they been in motion, up to the grassy knoll from which he believed some of the shots had been fired, that an officer on the opposite side, Douglas Jackson, actually motorcycled up onto the grassy knoll, where we have photographs where you can see the ruts that were created by the tracks of his bike before it fell over, and then he proceeded on foot, and where we've discovered at least one newspaper article 
a paper in Oklahoma where they talk about witnesses reporting the officer biking up onto the knoll itself. Five of the Secret Service agents dismounted from the Secret Service Cadillac, colloquially known as the Queen Mary, and surrounded the presidential. One of them took a chunk of skull from a little boy and threw it in the back seat. Uh, I had originally estimated that the limo stop had only lasted from six to eight seconds. But given all the activity described here, I've been unable to find how that could be accomplished in less than 20. Since they'd already removed the frames covering the turn from Houston onto Elm because the driver, William Greer, swung out too widely and nearly hit a concrete abutment, he had to pause to get back into line, an occurrence which I believe would have shaken the confidence in the American people. They simply took it out. That 18.3 frames per second, I believe the camera was actually running at 24. Uh, that meant they took out 100 frames there. If you have 20 more at about 20 frames per second, that's 400 more. Since the accident film only has 487, we're already talking about the removal of more frames than we have remaining in the film that's available to the public today. It was on that order of magnitude, the deceit and deception involved in this, covering up the assassination of Jack Kennedy. I have so many things to ask you and bring up here, but one of the things that someone in the uh, chat room named Dr. Strangelove, he wanted me to ask you if you are still in contact with Jeff Rince for whatever reason. I just thought we could just get through this immediately. Well, it's very funny. Something came up about Rince. Um, Uh-oh. I know uh, this uh, Paul Watson fellow who works with Alex Jones, oh, who right. I think was a pretty smart guy. A deposition by him was released to the public where he was describing me and Jeff Rance as batshit crazy mm. in relation to Sandy Hook, which I thought was very, very peculiar. I doubt very much that he's even read the book, for example. Alex Jones never featured me on Sandy Hook. In fact, when he gave his uh, video deposition in the Connecticut case, he specifically asserted he'd never read the book, which is very odd given how much he's been involved in the controversy. When the book was banned, it's interesting. The day the book was banned, I was coincidentally being featured as a guest on the Jeff Rentz show. And I announced on the show that I was releasing it for free as a PDF. And for many years, the primary source for downloading the PDF of Nobody Died at Sandy Hook was from Jeff Rentz. We actually hit it off very well. He made, he, he offered me a, a, a show on the Rentz radio, which I did for at least a year and a half. I also brought along Scott Bennett, who's a former, former Army Intel and PSYOPs officer, so that and he and his running mate, who's a, a political activist, Vietnam veteran by the name of uh, uh, Michael J. Anderson, so that for Jeff's show, which is five hours a week, the two hours before his show was either mine, which, as I recall, was Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, but it might have been Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I think, and or, or Scott Bennett's. Well, most people have no idea, but I've had like eight radio shows, and the only one where a host had to pay to be on the show was for Jeff Rant. Right. Yeah. This got rather expensive because I was also paying for Scott Bennett. So when I was invited to come to Revolution Radio, I thought it was a good opportunity. So in a professional fashion, I notified Jeff Rance. 
that Scott Bennett and I would be leaving at the end of the month. Well, this was like, I think it may have been two day, two weeks in advance. I was giving him notice and he never really asked why, but actually it was a financial thing that I just couldn't afford it any longer. But Jeff Rents uh, fired us. Uh, I think it was a face-saving method because other measure because otherwise he would have had to explain why we were leaving. And it really wasn't out of any disaffection with Jeff, though we did have a difference about Las Vegas, where he seems to persist to this day that Las Vegas was real when it was completely staged. We had crowds on demand, a Los Angeles outfit that was recruiting crisis actors for Las Vegas 15 days in advance. Uh, 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 we have uh, uh, Dan Kramer, who's an IT expert, being the first to realize that the soundtrack that was being played of the machine gunning was pre-recorded. It was too high quality. Then they had coordinated with special visual effects in the middle of the Mandalay Bay on the fourth floor. You saw a flashing light to simulate a machine gun firing, then intermittently three light flashes from the top. We have so much evidence that it was totally fraudulent in stage, including one of my Facebook friends at the time took it on her own initiative and called the three closest hospitals to the, the uh, to the, the arena where the concert had been held and asked if they'd had any gunshot admittees. And all three of them told her, no, they had not, where the third very helpfully added, I think you're calling about the drill, but that was just a drill. No one was shot. You ought to check with the local police. Now, she gave the uh, phone number for anyone to verify, so I, in fact, called them myself to verify, and I got the same answer from the first two, no, no gunshot admittees, but the third just said no comment. Obviously, they'd been silenced. They'd been reined in since they'd said too much when she had spoken with them before. Now, Mona Alexis Presley, who's done brilliant work on Sandy Hook, but also on Las Vegas, tracked down, following up on the obituaries for the alleged uh, victims, and found that to the extent they were real, they were based on persons who died in different states or on different dates or from different causes of death, uh, and also tracked down the crime map for that night from 8 p.m. before the shooting to 8 p.m. the following day. The crime map covers all the criminal offenses within a one-square-mile area, and it showed not a single shooting incident, routine burglary, breaking and entering, stolen vehicle recovery, domestic disturbance, not a single shooting event of the 20 or so events recorded. Also, a professional uh, uh, physician, military physician with a great deal of experience with the impact of wounds caused by high-velocity weapons, wrote to Paul Craig Roberts, whom I regard as our nation's leading public intellectual, and laid out all the reasons why he didn't believe any of the alleged victims were legitimate. It was followed by a letter from an American trauma physician confirming his report, saying that uh, you know, you had some of the so-called victims who got up out of bed and stood at attention when the President Trump came to visit, that if they'd actually been shot with a high-velocity weapon, they not only would have no uh, uh, interest in getting up out of bed, they wouldn't have had the ability to stand because it would have shattered their leg. We had a similar phenomenon in Parkland, which was also completely contrived. The shooter there who was in a full sweat, uh, SWAT team outfit with a helmet, was firing a, a SIM gun, simulated ammunition made out of beeswax and laundry detergent. It won't break the skin, but it will create a welt 
which is why several of the girls who claimed to have been shot by an AR-15 were walking around with Dave's bandages on their wounds. I mean, preposterous had it been real. So Jeff, I think, made an inappropriate move here to save face because uh, Scott and I were going to be leaving in order to not to have to explain. I mean, if he'd actually asked me, I would have said it was for financial. It had nothing to do with intellectual. I, I liked the guy then, but I got to say, I found it pretty, uh, pretty disgusting that he would make up a phony story about my having lost my way. We did have differences about Las Vegas, where to this day, he persists in the fantasy that it was a real shooting and that it had to do with some anti-Muslim activity or something of the like. So, well, I mean, that's a uh, long answer to a short question. It's okay, it, Jim. I just have to say, it, it appears to me that you have some sort of uh, heat with Jeff Rins uh, over something else. It, it strikes me that way. Maybe you rubbed him the wrong way. No, no, actually, we all on great. He would praise me regularly on the show. That's that's untrue, Jeff. At least, uh, Michael, to my knowledge, no. I mean, there's nothing else. I mean, Interesting. Just, yeah. Yeah, it just uh, seems like there could have been something else that maybe uh, bothered him on a personal level. It's just my assumption here. It doesn't mean it's true. I absolutely do not believe that. If you go back and listen to the many times, look, he brought, he had me on his own show as a guest regularly. I mean, sometimes yeah, I remember, yeah. And that that means I was not only on my doing my own show, you know, three times a week on his network, but I was being featured as his guest, and he was always with abundant praise. I mean, he appreciated my scholarship, my discipline, my dedication to research. I mean, after all, that's an area in which I'm expert. I now have. I had 24 plus academic books before my retirement in after a 35 year career offering courses in principally in logic, critical thinking and scientific reasoning in 2006. And I've now published another dozen plus in the area of what you might call conspiracy research. So I have actually uh, around 40 books now. And, you know, I'm very dedicated to this collaborative research. In fact, I have a friend who also authored a book for Moonrock Books, a sole-authored book, uh, Preston James, entitled The New Gutenberg Press, explaining how the Internet has become such a threat to the deep state because it facilitates collaborative research by parties who are distant in space and time. And that's certainly proven to be the case. And it's only, I think, through belated recognition that they created a monster for freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of the press, that they're now having to take desperate efforts to shut it down. My frank opinion is it's too little, too late. Amazing. For lack of trying. No, I can't think of anything else that would have caused Jeff to be upset with me. Understood. It's just something, it's just maybe a, a disagreement then. No, I don't think it was even that. I think it was just face-saving. How can he take these two parties? And he never had any beef with Scott Bennett. I see. But eliminated him early, too. And you got to understand, hmm. this was a contractual agreement. We were paid up to the end of the month. Yeah, As I tell you, so he, he, he made a good chunk of chain off, change off of Rent's radio. And it's the only time. I, I mean, this may be my ninth radio show of that nine. That was the sole case where the host had to pay for the privilege of being on the network. Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. And, of course, there was another school shooting out here in California 
I'm not quite sure if you are up to par with that with that shooting. Well, which one are you talking? I mean, look, there seems to be a new one every other week. Yeah, I'm talking about the Saugus uh, High School shooting. Yeah, it, it was ridiculous. No, it was also phony and fake. There were all kinds of signs. They got to the point where they're doing one a day on the first of December. Let's see, it was in New Orleans. On the second, it was in Waukesha. Uh, on the third, it was another community here in Wisconsin. On the fourth, I mean, they, they were having one every single day. It's beyond ridiculous. And, and Jim, just just for conversation's sake, would you say that all school shootings are basically manufactured? Well, let's just say those with which I am familiar, it's not that you couldn't have a bona fide. And there's some before I became serious about all this that might have been bona fide. But I'm telling you, these typically, there's signs like at Sandy Hook, at, at, at Parkland, even at, at, at Boston, even at Orlando. There's no surge of EMTs into the building. There's no string of ambulances to rush the little bodies off the hospitals. Uh, they don't take the techniques, the measures that would be appropriate if they were real. This is also true for the you know, the the shootout that occurred in California involving the Muslim couple, totally fake. They had the car under remote control. They actually had a dummy in the vehicle. It was supposed to be the woman. When she fell out, it was a mannequin. I'm telling you, it's ridiculous what's been going on here. But I cannot make so sweeping a statement as that, uh, Michael. I can only say. Understood. Yeah. I have investigated, have, have turned out to be fake, and it's all in accordance with an agenda. Only Domagard, by the way, has been quite brilliant in exposing these events abroad. Uh, and uh, the third of the three sole-authored books at uh, Moonrock Books is called Chronicles of False Flight Terror by, by Nick Kohlerstrom, PhD. He's an historian of science. He's a noted expert on Sir Isaac Newton. He uh, shattered the 7-7 London subway attack by discovering that the train from Luton, that the young Muslim lads who'd apparently been lured into participating in what was supposed to be a training drill, would have had to take to be at the subway stations where the explosions took place, get you, at exactly the same tube stops at exactly the same time as the training drill was taking place, was canceled that day. So they weren't able to even be at the scene of the subway where it turns out the explosives supposedly from backpacks exploding inside the carriage would have blown the metal down and out. Instead, the metal is of the floor is blown up and in, indicating the explosive was beneath the carriage, not inside the carriage. I mean, you can go through one after another. What Nick has done in this brilliant book is to discuss 13 different false flag attacks in Europe in a single volume. I highly recommend it. Chronicles of False Flag and Terror at MoonRockBooks.com. MoonRockBooks.com is where you can find that. And of course, Jim, going back to something you said earlier, you were on Coast to Coast AM and you were interviewed by Ian Punnett. You know, I'm kind of um, curious about that story. He tried to sort of get you in a statement or what was going on there. I'm kind of well, surprised to hear this. Yeah, yeah. Well, he was... I'd already published one article. It was the first of what would turn out to be 10 about the Wellstone plane crash. Oh, okay. Yeah, where, I mean, I was putting together all the pieces that I would, uh, you know, confirm in spades and then publish in the book entitled American Assassination, The Strange Death of Senator Paul Wellstone. 
And then in the article to which I alluded but never completed that appeared in uh, From the Wilderness, the Michael Rupert website, co-authored with John P. Costello, entitled The NTSB Failed Wellstone, which is probably the most copiously documented article ever published. It's only about four pages long, but it has 120 footnotes. We have like four or six <laughs> photographs there. You can still find wow. it, the NTSB Failed Wellstone. And you'll get a basic synopsis of what happened there. This is a result of, again, collaborative research with a guy completely brilliant with a PhD in electromagnetism, one of the most complex area of physics, where, as I said before, we were tromping around in the snow in 35 below zero weather, picking up pieces of the charred wreckage of the Wellstone airplane. Very interesting. And he sort of went after you for a moment there, correct? Yeah, he was trying to drive me off. He was trying to... Uh, he was trying to debunk what I, but I already knew too much about the case, so he yeah. was unsuccessful. I mean, I defeated his effort, but it was obvious in retrospect that had been his objective. I got to hear this one. This is so um, entertaining for me to hear this because, you know, I've listened to Ian every now and then once in a while, but I, I've never really heard him go after anyone before. So this is kind of amusing to me. Yeah, it was, it was clearly set up. <laughs> No doubt about it. Funny, funny, funny. And also, I can't help but feel perplexed by the social and political movements that we've seen unfold the past three, four years now. And I'm concerned for the future of uh, the, the whole future of our society, uh, the way things are starting to come to fruition, various social movements that would not have only been hurting uh, the nation, really. And of course, I put blame on the media and politicians and of course, the corporations, the laws of man. The system uh, we live in, Jim, is quite distorted. I'm sure you can agree with that. Let me give you a little background here. Remember, yeah, the CIA began infiltrating the media back in the 1950s with Operation Mockingbird. Right. It's become so much worse today. Already by 1975, William Colby, then its director, testified to Congress that the agency owned everyone of any significance in the media at the time. Uh, Carl Bernstein of Watergate fame would publish two years later in Rolling Stone an article entitled The CIA and the Media, in which he would uh, report that high executives of the agency were boasting that their greatest successes had been with Time Life, the New York Times, and CBS. And in that era, if you controlled Time Life, the New York Times, and CBS, you had pretty much a lock on the dissemination of news in America. Uh, with the introduction of the Internet, things have become overwhelmingly more complex. But just to give you an illustration of how much now uh, Israel has infiltrated our, our media, how much there's a Zionist management of the news that we receive unknowingly altered and affected and manipulated. I have a panel of 100 executives from CNN. Every one of them is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. I have another panel from NBC, 100 executives, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. Right. Another panel of 100 executives from the New York Times, every one of whom is a dual U.S.-Israeli citizen. And, of course, we all know the immense control that APAC, the American-Israeli Political Action Committee, they call themselves Public Affairs Committee, exert over Congress, where Cynthia McKinney revealed Oh, it may have been 10 years ago, that every new arrival in Washington is asked to sign a pledge to put the interests of Israel ahead of those of the United States. 
where those who decline to sign find themselves confronted with a well-financed alternative candidate the next time around, or even that their district has been redrawn and they no longer have a seat, Cynthia was able to transcend those obstacles to serve six to eight terms in the House. But even as astute a member as Dennis Kucinich, whom I regarded as the smartest member of the Congress at the time, was not. They redrew, you know, after a census, and he no longer had a seat. So, you know, there has been foreign influence in our elections, but it has not come from Russia. Yeah, this also reminds me of the COINTELPRO as well. We're seeing a lot of that. Absolutely, 100%. We get this now with the innovation of the Internet. Here are some reports. New York Times admits it sends stories to U.S. government for approval before publication. That's the New York Times. Here we have another report. Google likely shifted undecided voters in the 2000 election, perhaps millions, researchers says. Here's a Dr. Robert Epstein, who is the editor of Psychology Today with like 40 years of experience in behavioral science. He was reporting in July to uh, a committee uh, headed by uh, uh, Ted Cruz that in the uh, uh, 2000 in the 16 election, a Google manipulation shifted between 2.6 million and 10.4 million votes to Hillary Clinton. And he says they, they didn't realize the tremendous outpouring of votes for Donald Trump that overwhelmed their efforts, and they're not going to make that mistake again. Here we have another report. Google removes 300 Trump ads for policy violations. Won't say which policies were violated. Here we have another investigation finds Google blacklists entire sites from research results. Here's another. We have the use of this Children's Online Privacy Protection Act of 2020 to censor the Internet so that everyone now has to declare whether what they have provided is child-friendly or not. They're using it as an excuse to remove it. Of course, uh, Amazon.com has banned now hundreds of books. That's true. Jim, hold on one moment. We are joined by another caller. Let's bring them in for one moment. Hold that thought. Very interesting uh, topic here. Caller, what's going on? Hi, uh, this is uh, David Dees. What's up, David? My goodness, how are you, man? (laughs) I'm very good. Uh, Jim, I'm a huge fan. You know I have two of your books. Uh, I read your, your Sandy Hook book and also your Paul McCartney book. And uh, love, love, love your style, your conversational writing, your research. I mean, what a brilliant mind. So I'm a huge fan. Honored to be here. Uh, Yeah. So uh, Michael asked me to call in and say hello because I'm going to maybe come on after your um, finish your show. But I do have a question, and that is simply this, is that remember, um, of course, have you seen the compilations of how 9-11 was in – dropped in as a clue in many movies before it happened. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, every time they looked at their wristwatch or if there was a clock on the wall or if there was a, some, you know, numbers of nine and 11, they would line up and it would be in a movie or it would be on the Simpsons. Right. Um, uh, how many times? And what did we learn from that? Right. So uh, what I'm getting to is that there's a new date that they're doing. I've seen a compilation of this uh, next uh, Saturday, which is seven years uh, after the uh, end of the world, very appropriate end of day's uh, radio show, right. because uh, this is the end of the uh, time. The cycle has com- been completed. Uh, all of the uh, Royal Borealis uh, that are they're dropping into the movies are all clues. So as an investigator, my question is, 
have you heard about this? Are you familiar with the next Saturday uh, being the end of time <laughs> of this matrix? You know, I got to admit, I'm, David, I appreciate all the comments you've made there, which I uh, uh, am grateful to hear. Uh, uh, just to mention for clarification, when you mentioned the Paul McCartney book, you're actually talking about, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either, uh, which not only has a section about the moon landing, but a section about <laughs> Paul McCartney, another section about the death and replacement of Saddam Hussein, another about Osama bin Laden, and then a series of chapters about the Holocaust, which is the reason it was banned by Amazon.com at the request of the ADA. Amazon appears to have banned hundreds of books that dispute the official narrative of the Holocaust. But the story about the death and replacement of Paul McCartney is rather amply covered there. And now there's a new second edition with more a new, you know, a couple of revisions to previous chapters, but the addition of new material about both the moon landing, about Paul McCartney, and several additional essays about the Holocaust, so that it's really a stunning book. I think it's probably the favorite of all my books at Moonrock Books. Where Mike Palachuk, the series editor, suggested the title as a response, someone might give to hearing the title of our first book, Nobody Died at Sandy Hook, they might say, yeah, and I suppose we didn't go to the moon either. But of course, we didn't go to the moon either. Now, the guy who's brilliant at this kind of anticipation, and the key point you're making, David, is the following. Apparently, it's a part of the program for these false flag events that they have to announce their intention to perform these events in advance. They have to make it publicly available. And then having done that, that absolves them of responsibility for going ahead because they already explained what they were going to do and now they do it. Only Domagard has proven himself to be completely brilliant at picking up clues from one of these false flag events that have led him to anticipate another most recently, and it was just astonishing to me, he cracked a very elaborate case that NATO, you know, as a part of Operation Gladio, was going to pull off involving simultaneous attacks in London, in Manchester, in Paris, in Rotterdam, even involving two nuclear power stations in Sweden, uh, which was going to, you know, galvanize resentment. I suspect it was going to be blamed on Muslims, perhaps even Iran, and galvanize the European community uh, to stand up and resist this uh, uh, act of violence and to reinvigorate NATO. When, when Oli called it out, he, he contacted me and we did an interview. Actually, we did two interviews about it. But he was also reaching out to others who were doing interviews about it so that what he had discerned was being widely publicized, and NATO uh, had to call it off and had an emergency meeting of their secretaries of defense in Brussels, uh, you know, within two days of his having exposed what took place here. So, always more likely than I to have anticipated, but I'd be fascinated to hear what you, you have to say about what you think may be coming. Um. Well, uh, it's a it's a sort of complicated, I suppose. Uh, you would have to understand the realm that we're actually in, opposed to the globe Earth that we were sold by the Freemasons. So, not only did we not land on the moon, we never went to the moon. There's no way you can go to the moon. The moon is is somewhat of a projection. It turns out it's you know the exact same size as the sun, and they even eclipse, so you can see that they're the same size, and they're on the same trajectory around because they're circulating circulating around a flat Earth. 
in Antarctica is, is the ice wall around us. I mean, these, this idea of being on a globe going through outer space is, is absolutely absurd. Okay, I don't know where you stand on this, but I'll just tell you. And so the center point of our realm that we're in is the North Pole. And yes, there's ice, but as you get closer, no, there is no ice. And so that's a protected area. You don't, you don't, uh, no one gets to go through that. That's not pure of heart because well, this, uh, this realm we're in is a projection. See, this is a holographic projection, like a game, you know, like Jumanji where they, they were, they went into the game and they were, they had avatars, you know, in the game, this is where we are. And we are about to come out of this game. It's the end of the cycle next Saturday. How about that? <laughs> for the living souls, but not for everybody, because everybody that's here is not a, uh, there's soulless beings here that are part of the matrix. All the ones that support, uh, you know, this whole crazy scenario that we're fed. It's a cartoonish evil. Don't you agree? I mean, it's uh, chemtrails. You got chemtrails. You got you get everything's poison and everything. It's escalating because this is the end. Star Wars opens the day before, you know, on Friday there. So that's on the 20th. So the 21st is the end. That's the, everything's the end. So, okay. Uh, I just I saw a movie clip where uh, The Rock, the guy, you know, Jumanji guy, The Rock, uh, you know, he's talking to some girl at a table and uh, he goes something dumb. Something, and the last thing is he said, this is the end time. As he says end time, his uh, uh, beeper goes off on his phone and you look and it's 1221 on the phone, the time. Right. <laughs> and so I go, holy shit. You know, it's this is really this is really happening. This is really happening. I know we all got rent to pay and everything, and I'm still, you know, getting extra rabbit food, you know. But, uh, you know, I got two timelines, and I'm telling you, the, the numbers that are in gematria, if you know about numerology, is staggering. The numbers that are pointing to 1221 next week and, and the people exiting, that this whole realm is about to dissolve. Okay, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, 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 I'm not sure what you guys were talking about, but boy, this, this is way on my mind. My you know, goodness. so when I, I, I come on this radio show, I go, well, this is kind of what I want to talk about. That's okay, you know? Jim. What are your thoughts and opinions on what uh, David Dees just dropped on us here? Well, I mean, astronomy and physics go back for thousands of years, uh, studying of the relative motions of the moon and the sun and. Uh, I mean, with all due respect, I mean, I have a PhD in the history and the philosophy of science. I'm very familiar and have taught the history of science as well as the philosophy of science. And uh, I mean, the, the day is determined by the rotation of the Earth on its axis. It is an oblate spheroid. It's not perfectly round. But every other celestial object is similarly spherical. There are no flats. I, there are all kinds of ways why... Uh, the, the the position uh, that I would take exception to the position that David has sketched here. Uh, of course, a, a month is defined by the period of rotation of moon around Earth and a year of the Earth and the moon around the sun. And, you know, that there's, there's a huge uh, amount of evidence and substantiation for what I take to be well-established facts about a solar system and astronomy. But I find David's speculations about the date very, very interesting. If there are all these signs about, uh, you know, the 21st, uh, I'm interested in what might be going on on the 21st because he's most certainly correct about how there were many, many uh, signs pointing to 9-11, including in The Simpsons, we're very familiar with all of that. And I do appreciate the role of mathematics in these issues, and there are others who are far more expert than I 
in interpreting the mathematical significance of the various of these relationships and so forth. But, you know, it would be extraordinary to me if David's global characterization of a flat Earth and a hollow moon and so forth uh, had any substance, you know, from my point of view. But then again, you see, I'm immersed in the history of science, uh, physics, and astronomy. I'm very, very interested, however, in what David thinks might be happening on the 21st. And to say that this is, you know, the end times, uh, I'm not quite sure what that's supposed to mean. I mean, is it going to be the end of Earth, the end of life on Earth? Uh, is it, are we no longer going to exist? I, I would like to explore that aspect rather than debate the, the issues of physics and astronomy. No problem. Go ahead, David. My answer would be simply that it's a since it is a holographic projection and it's simply going to end. It'll dissolve. I mean, what it's this uh, that appears so real to us is this heavy density uh, sense of reality, something we dove into. But we are uh, this is temporary, see, and uh, it's coming to an end. I mean, and it's being orchestrated. That's why it's so funny and cartoonish that it's in movies and that they're spraying. <laughs> with chemtrails is escalating like some kind of crazy mad scientist movie. You know, who are these parasites that are, you know, anyway, the point is, is that obviously this was planned far, far ago when they, I guess when they created the English language, because this date is, is uh, it's lining up with the stars. I, I didn't understand that astrology actually worked, but my question to you about, uh, Okay, we won't go into that. Okay, let's see. Uh, I have no questions. I'm, I, I, I'm, uh, I got no notes. I can simply talk off the top of my head about this uh, subject, and that's what I will do, I guess, for uh, well, once. Uh, just mention so. that I think the simplest proof that we didn't go to the moon, and yeah. we didn't have the propulsion power, we didn't have the computing power, we couldn't have trans passed through the Van Allen radiation belt. I mean, the, the arguments are vast. Uh, but I think the simplest proof is we have a photograph of Earth from the moon, and the relative sizes are precisely the same as the moon when seen from Earth. And yet, if you juxtapose the size of the moon with the size of Earth, Earth is 50 times more massive than the moon. So that if you actually had a photograph of Earth from the moon, it would dominate the entire visual field. And yet this ostensible photograph taken from the moon shows Earth exactly the same size as the moon seen from Earth, which means it was simply a Photoshop variation where they just turned a photograph taken of the moon from Earth into one as though it were of Earth taken from the moon, when the, the dimensions are just preposterously wrong once you understand the greater massiveness of Earth compared to Moon. There's just no question about it. So I regard this as the simplest proof we did not go to the Moon. But there is a huge amount that goes along with it. Just to quickly add to that, the Apollo guidance computer uh, had no capacity or memory to run the programs necessary to navigate that whole trip. It wasn't even a functional computer. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's weird when you go back and you read some of this and, and you have to second guess. So, I've done a huge amount on this. <laughs> it's it's crazy. Dumb, and, the, and yet they're able to palm this off on the American people. If you want to see how it was done, there's this wonderful film called Capricorn One. It, 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 Sam Waters and O.J. Simpson, uh, the guy who married uh, Barbara Streisand, he's, he's a pretty good guy. 
uh, uh, other actors. It, it's a good film about faking a trip to Mars, and, and they did it using a single grainy feed. Well, that's basically what they did here. They were actually doing it you know, on a stage, but they were able to project it and make it look plausible to a, a gullible people, American public that wanted to believe. If you want to see a prototype, if you want to go online, there's a wonderful film. This is what first got me hooked on it in 2001. My wife and I were in London. We were staying at the Morgan Hotel uh, on Bloomsbury Street, which I had picked because my wife's maiden name was Morgan. It backs onto the British Museum. And I turned on one of the BBC channels only to be captivated by this documentary showing one scientific proof after another that we had not gone to the moon. It's entitled Conspiracy. Uh, did we land on the moon? You can find it uh, online and watch it. I think it's still the single best introduction to the anomalies that give you a clue that something was terribly, terribly wrong. What do you think about the uh, Challenger? Uh, what, what was it? The uh, space shuttle that blew up, and now the all the the uh, astronauts are teaching college. Yeah, I know. You know, I haven't I haven't done the detailed work on that, but I wouldn't be surprised at all that that was actually fake too. So I think that's that that's completely consistent with what I know about these other events. Though I cannot verify. Having not done the research on that specific, I've heard the hypothesis, and I find it highly plausible. Yeah. And what about the ISS? Do you think that's real? Because uh, they've been caught with a lot of CGI tricks uh, with wires. and. Well, you know, I want to look at that. I want to do a show on that because uh, it, it, I would be dumbfounded if, if the, even the space station isn't real. I have certainly supposed it was. Uh, there's nothing about the radiation results and so forth from the astronauts, however, suggesting they were ever out of low Earth orbit. That appears to be exactly what happened. Stanley Kubrick appears to have been involved in faking it. There's brilliant work by a host of others. I talk about it many places. I have a whole set of uh, videos and interviews about the moon landing, where one of my guests actually discerned that in the footage from the moon landing, you can see the outline of a Corvette that's buried there in the debris. In other words, they were doing part of the filming in a waste dump. It's just ridiculous what you can turn up with. Most of those videos are at 153news.net. If you go to 153news.net and look for uh, Jim Fetzer on the moon landing, you should find five or six different videos, maybe more. Uh, Jim, have you interviewed uh, Randy Walsh, by the way? Doesn't ring a bell. Tell me more about Randy. Well, he also has a book called The Apollo Moon Missions, Hiding a Hoax in Plain Sight, Part 1. Hiding a Hoax in Plain Sight. Yeah, that's a good title. I would love for you to do a show with him. Yeah, sure. Well, give me some contact and I'll, I'll I'll take a look at it. That would be great for the new year. Perfect. Like have it. you seen uh, Jim? Have you seen the close-up photographs of the the Mar the uh, moon lander, the Apollo moon lander, where they zoomed in on it and it looks like uh, pretty much like cardboard or paper? It's flimsy. It's made out of colored uh, aluminum foil. It's ridiculous. There's no possible way that could have been uh, served the purpose alleged. And of course. I mean, it, it, you get into more and more details, the whole thing just falls apart from beginning to end. I actually did a program with high school students who'd gone to a space museum in Washington, and the one student was completely brilliant and gave a critique based upon what he discovered from studying the moon lander, and it was just astonishing how clearly he had seen through the hoax. 
Well, what do you what do you think they're uh, faking this for? Why would they fake going into outer space? Uh, do they really go into outer space? No, we've never been into outer space. No, we've never been out of a low Earth orbit. Oh, it's for political reasons. The Russians, the Soviet Union, had embarrassed us by getting up the first satellite Sputnik, so that we were, you know, concerned to show that they uh, uh, they were not ahead of us scientifically and technically, even though they were ahead of us. Uh, JFK, of course dedicated us to go to the moon before the end of the decade, but I believe had he been informed of the insuperable obstacles, he would have abandoned the project. It felt a tricky dick, you know, who better to take the moon landing? I mean, just one of the obvious tells. You know, in uh, when you're dealing with a correspondent in a distant land, how you have a time delay, you know, they're asked a question and there's a, a moment's pause before they hear the question and they're able to answer and we're able to hear their answer. Well, we're talking about 250,000 miles. And yet, if you listen to the communication that is supposed to be taking place between the astronauts and Earth, there's no time delay. Well, that's completely ridiculous. I, I had uh, I had a guy uh, uh, on, uh, let me see, what website? Oh, it was Huffington Post had a very ser- silly article that they said was a single brilliant tweet by a physicist, you know, debunks all the moon landing skeptics. And it was just something as trifling as anyone who thinks we didn't go to the moon needs to have a brain transplant. It was something as pedestrian as that. But I used it as the occasion to start posting proofs that we, in fact, had not gone. And the most interesting aspect, which includes, by the way, photographs where you see a boot print in the moon dust, but then you have a moon rover and there are no moon rover tracks. Now, either the moon dust absorbs, you know, allows and retains imprints or it doesn't. My opinion is like the sands of the Sahara, it doesn't. There's no atmosphere on the moon. Moon dust would be more, no more able to retain an image than would uh, the sands of the Sahara. But we have photographs either way. And indeed, in one of these, for the boot print, there's actually a partial imprint of a tennis shoe. No one on the moon was wearing a tennis shoe. There was someone on the set whose footprint got into the photograph. I mean, it's that bad. Now, what I was coming up to was there was a very interesting comment put up by a guy who said he was in communication uh, technology in that era. We're talking about 69, 70. To have a, a broadcast would require a van the size of a bread truck. Well, we didn't have any van the size of a bread truck on the moon. I mean, it's all totally ridiculous. Now, the most important evidence alleged to support the moon landing was the moon rocks. And it, it turns out that when you look into it, Werner von Braun, who was, of course, the Nazi leading Nazi scientist we brought in and integrated into our intelligence apparatus after World War II, led an expedition to the Antarctic to recover moon rocks that had been dislodged from Earth's surface by the impact with small asteroids caught by Earth's gravitational field and brought down in the vicinity of the Antarctic so they could be presented as evidence we'd gone to the moon, bona fide moon rocks, they simply hadn't arrived at Earth by the mode of transportation proclaimed. <laughs> hey, you know, uh, it seems like every photograph I see of the space shuttle or anything launched from uh, Cape Canaveral uh, or even SpaceX, that they, they arch over very sharply, almost like a big rainbow. Uh, it, it looks like maybe they're flying over to, uh, you know, out into the ocean and they're not going anywhere. What do you think on that? Which photographs are you talking about, Abe? 
We'll just type in the uh, night launch of a space shuttle or, uh, you know, any rockets, even the even the Saturn, uh, the Saturn. I don't know about the Saturn, but the, yeah, the the Apollo missions, if, if, within a minute or two, the they're going sideways. You know, the, the the camera zooms in on them, you know, in 1969 or 1970 and they're going sideways. Yeah, it's because they're not they're not going straight up. Right. Well, well, that would be okay. You know, they could do, they claim to escape uh, Earth's gravitational field. They could take an orbit that initially was uh, low Earth, and then they escape Earth. Uh, but it required too much propulsion power. We didn't have the ability. A Soviet physicist did a study of the Saturn V rockets and showed they didn't possess sufficient thrust to make it even possible. But just to illustrate the blunders that were committed, when the astronauts for the uh, initial moon landing were first interviewed, they were asked about the stars in the sky, and one of them said, no, they didn't see any stars at all. Well, they wouldn't see any twinkling stars. Earth, ha Earth, moon has no atmosphere. The twinkle is because of our atmosphere. There's a little diffraction of the light. But the, the, the heavens would have been ablaze with billions of points of light. So this was just a blunder. And NASA has had to stick with it because if they now deny it, then you have an astronaut who is supposed to have been there and reporting his first person experience who was saying something blatantly false. And of course, it was blatantly false. So we're living a history of the moon mission that's based on blatant falsehoods. This is just one that kind of stands out because it was a mistake made during a press conference. But the whole thing is rubbish. We did not go to the moon. Amazing. Anything else, David? <laughs> it is amazing. I mean, what did we do? I mean, what, why are they faking such a thing? You know? Yeah, why? Look at the look at the tombstone of uh, Warner von Braun. Well, he, he had a proverbs on there that was a reference to a firmament in the sky. Well, I don't. Uh, do you know about that? Well, no, but it would suggest that, you know, he was given a clue about, you know, this is all a fraud, which it was all a fraud. Uh, but we did it to show that we were technically and scientifically superior to the Soviet Union. And, and it's just a false claim. We weren't, we aren't even today. Uh, just to give you an illustration, uh, Russia has far superior anti-missile missiles. They have far superior uh, anti-ship missiles, they have far superior underwater torpedoes. These are basically unstoppable weapons. We don't have the technology to deal with them. So those are so eager to have a war with Russia, you know, better think twice about what they're asking for, because I guarantee you the outcome would not be what they would like. One more question, David, before we have to hit the break and bring you on. Really? Uh, you know, my question would be, uh, Jim, have you heard about uh, all this uh, civilization, this advanced uh, free energy civilization called Tartaria that basically we uh, inherited their buildings and uh, our government and our schools are teaching us that, that we're part of that, uh, that we built these things, that there's no such thing as these giants around 1800s that were exterminated. You know about Tartaria? No, David, I got to admit that I do not. I defer to you. This may be something you want to pursue with Michael uh, upon my yeah, okay. departure. I'm just delighted you called in. I think you've had great questions. Oh, yes. And I think it was a super idea that Michael invited you to call. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. I'll see you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you, David. And there he goes. We've got to look, David. Shortly. That's terrific, Michael. Yeah, I'm glad he called in. I wasn't sure if he would call in or not. I had asked him a long time ago to jump in here with you, and he was a little shy. 
Yeah, well, it worked out just fine. But the point I was making uh, is how, how the Internet has been taken over and being monopolized, and it's all in violation of the original concepts under which Google, YouTube, and so forth were given access to the public airwaves, which after all belonged to the people, uh, with the understanding that they would serve as a kind of a, a commons, allowing everyone to present their own work on the model of a library, where the library is not responsible for the content of the individual books, but only makes them available. YouTube went through a golden age. It lasted about 15 years where everyone could produce their own videos, and they were all freely available. Uh, and it was just magnificent because you had all this original research. You could go on and you search and you'd find the great advantage of Internet research was you'd find everything in favor of one position, but also everything against that position. So you could sort it out. It was just a, a wonderful resource for intellectual discovery. But now they're suppressing what they don't want you to know yeah, on the basis of political considerations. I agree. And a, yes. That, we're, that, we're becoming that, like China, Jim. Unfortunately, yes, uh, very much so, Michael. I mean, it's very unfortunate. We're entering a, a dark age in the United States, and the question simply becomes, are we going to be able to survive? And, you know, there's so much going after Trump. And while... Yes, let's get into that. Before we sign off here, we do have some time, but that's a subject that I did want to ask you about. I, I did want to bring up James Comey. I did want to bring up... Uh, Trump. I did want to bring up all sorts of uh, various characters that have been uh, around the media, basically, the, the media darlings. Let's talk about that, Jim. Well, let me just say I was interviewed by uh, Sputnik and explained that I think the Democrats are going to go down hard in 2020. That's absent massive media manipulation because it, uh, this fellow, Dr. Robert Epstein, as I alluded, who is the editor of Psychology Today, just testified in July that Google is not going to make the same mistake they made in 2016, that they're going to try to massively manipulate the vote. I'll just say, absent that manipulation, I think Trump is set up for uh, an overwhelming victory. He's got 34 percent of black likely voters who are supporting him. And that's because not only is black and Latino unemployment at a historic low, but he's trying to put stops on the illegal immigration because those immigrants come in and they take out the lowest level jobs at cheaper pay and deny the black and Latinos who've been here working industriously to secure their position. So they're grateful to Trump for the benefits he's bestowing upon them as Sir Charles, Charles Barkley, the great NBA star, has turned into an astute political commentator, has observed, the Democrats have never done anything for the black community. They've just taken for granted the black vote. But over and beyond that, the impeachment has been backfiring. We've had uh, polls here in uh, Wisconsin, where I reside, the Marquette Law School poll. Before the impeachment was initiated, Trump was trailing uh, three of the four Democratic candidates. Uh, after the impeachment was initiated, he was leading all four of the leading Democratic candidates. And that's not going to go away. You got 31 freshmen in the Congress <coughs> who were elected from red states that went for Trump. And if they vote for impeachment, they're not going to be returning. I believe, in fact, that I'll make this prediction 
that that Nancy Pelosi is not going to be able to get their votes for impeachment, and if only half of them defect, she won't be able to get the articles of impeachment out of the House. They will support a censure. So I believe this impeachment movement is going to fall into a censure. But if it were to get out of the House, it's going to go to a very short terminus in the Senate. Mitch McConnell has already declared zero chance of Trump's removal from office. He's got a very strong economy. He's done a lot of good things. I believe he uh, he deserves re-election in spite of the fact that he is uh, seriously flawed, particularly in relation to his foreign policy by declaring uh, Jerusalem the capital of Israel, for example. That had to be part of a very complicated uh, settlement of the Israeli-Palestinian issue. By declaring that the Golan Heights belong to Israel, that's ridiculous. The rest of the world regards Golan Heights as Syrian, uh, Israeli-occupied Syrian territory. He's now just expanded the definition of anti-Semitism, basically to encompass any criticism of Israel. That's highly improper, unconstitutional, un-American. I mean, there are reasons why the, the Democrats could have fashioned articles of impeachment that might have significant, but what they're doing here is trivial and trifling. His conversation with Ukraine was perfectly proper. There was a devastating moment during the hearing early on when two of the key witnesses, Ambassador Taylor and the, and the State Department expert, I recall his last name was Kemp, were asked, was there anything impeachable in the phone call? And the silence was deafening because they couldn't answer because there was nothing impeachable in the phone call. This whole thing has been motivated <coughs> by the observation of the Texas Democrat, Al Green, who said, if we don't impeach this guy, he will get reelected. Well, I say, even though they're impeaching the guy, he's going to get reelected anyway. Absent massive manipulation and violation of our most fundamental right to voting, not by the Russians, but by Google. Google is the enemy here, not the Russians. They had nothing to do with 2016 or will they have with 2020. Yep. As I've always alluded here on the program, corporations have become bigger than government, and that's not always a good thing at all. You get in all sorts of corruption. And Jim, we are running out of time soon here, but a listener of mine brought to my attention that you interviewed Rob uh, McKinsey about JFK. I was very curious about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, I did. I met Ron McKenzie when, Ron McKenzie when I was out in, uh, in, uh, in Seattle <coughs> giving talks about false flags. And I met Ron McKenzie. I liked him a lot. I actually interviewed him twice on the new JFK show, where you can find those at 153news.net. Now, Ron McKenzie was running a safe house for the CIA in Dallas and was transferred just before the assassination over to a uh, a motel where many of the participants were being lodged. And at 4 a.m. in the morning, a, a black stretch limo pulled up, and uh, none other than Richard Nixon in a camel's hair coat stepped up talking uh, to Frank Sturgis, who fired the shot that entered the right temple of JFK and set up shockwaves that blew his brains out the back of his head. Uh, it was fascinating to get direct witness confirmation of Nixon's involvement. He, of course, had been at the ratification meeting that night at the home of Clint Murkison Sr., uh, where Lyndon showed up late unexpectedly to many. It was a small gathering. I talked with Madeline Duncan Brown about it. She was a mistress of Lyndon. They began an affair in 48. She bore him a son, Stephen, in 1950. 
because of their relationship, well known in Dallas, she was invited to many of these social events. So she was there that night. There were only a couple of dozen people there. When London showed up, the heavy hitters who included Richard Nixon, she remembered specifically it was driven out there by a local Republican leader who worked in the same bank building where she was young advertising executive. Uh, John J. McCloy, who'd been our former high commissioner to Germany, CEO at Chase Manhattan Bank, and who would be appointed by Lyndon to the Warren Commission, was there. H.L. Hunt was there. He, of course, was nominally Murkison's uh, uh, rival in the oil business, but he hated Jack. He put up this wanted for treason handout the following day where Madeline had an encounter with him in the parking lot. And, she, and he showed it to her. Madeline said, well, H.L., you can't do that. He says, well, sure I can. I'm the richest man in the world. I can do anything I want. <laughs> that accent. Yeah, the fellow was the head of Bill Helicopter. He was there. Uh, the, 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 oh, I know. George Brown and Brown and Heavy Construction was there. They'd get a contract to dredge a new port at Comron Bay for about a billion bucks after the event. In any case, when Lyndon showed up, these heavy hitters disappeared into a boardroom and had a meeting that lasted 15 or 20 minutes. When it broke up, Lyndon strode over to Madeline. She thought he'd whisper sweet nothings in her ear and said he told her in a hateful tone of voice after tomorrow, I won't have to put up with embarrassment from those Kennedy boys any longer. He actually called her the following day before the motorcade told her the same thing. Six weeks later, during a rendezvous on New Year's Eve at the Driscoll Hotel in Austin, Texas, she confronted him with rumors rampant in Dallas at the time that he'd been involved since no one stood to gain more personally. Lyndon blew up at her and told her the oil boys in the CIA had decided that Jack had to be taken out, which is as close as we'll get to a confession. And Jim, just to just to lay it out there for the newer listeners out there, in terms of the JFK case, I just want the newer listeners to know why exactly is it so significant and so important for them to know the truth of what happened that day? Well, we've been suffering with the consequences every, ever since every president who's occupied the office has known he's there at the barrel of a rifle. Uh, Trump was the exception. He was the accidental president. They never expected this would happen. The turnout was simply overwhelming, all their efforts to rig it for Hillary. And uh, there have been a, at least a dozen attempts to assassinate Trump so far. Obviously, none of them successful. The most recent, you heard the report about Trump's food tester. Yes. They, they, they mm -hmm. used a time delay poison to get past him, uh, Michael. That's but nuts, yeah. Sick, and they rushed Trump I mean, to an emergency. They claimed it was routine. It was anything but. He, he evaded that effort, but they're going to be ongoing. And believe me, there's going to be an all-out effort to steal the election in 2020. My goodness. And also, Jim, you have faced death threats yourself, correct? Oh, a couple times. I never took them particularly seriously. I, I wouldn't say that was uh, uh, significant, but... Understood. Yes. These to take out Donald Trump are quite the opposite. Now, Jim, before we do sign off here... I wanted you to update us with the latest on the Sandy Hook case. Well, My goodness, yeah. That's too complicated, Michael. <laughs> Just put it this way. Um, but I, I had no attorney up through the summary judgment where I was found liable, and there were many, many legal and other violations of protocol there, which means there are substantial grounds for an appeal. 
Uh, my attorney, whom I have acquired since, is a very good appellate attorney. Nice, yeah. And in a motion he submitted to the court, which the court wrongfully denied, he pointed out that there had been an omission in the determination of liability because they had never found me to be negligent. You cannot have liability without fault. That's standard in the law. But in this instance, they they made a mistake because they thought they were going to go for punitive judgment and show that I had done this out of malice. That meant I had knowledge that what I was saying was wrong and went ahead and said it anyway. That would have been impossible to prove. In fact, it was after he and I had had a discussion where I just laid out 10 or 12 steps in refuting the claim it had been malicious. That very night, they withdrew the punitive damages claim. But they, in the process, overlooked establishing that I was at fault. The uh, judge's explanation for my being at fault was question-begging. He simply assumed the whole story about Sandy Hook uh, and claimed that I'd never raised the issue of negligence, but I, as a defendant, didn't have that obligation. But, but they, as the plaintiffs, had to prove the elements of the case. Uh, the judge was so partisan to the plaintiffs, it was as though he were a fifth attorney for Leonard Posner. So, you know, the rulings are, are riddled with problems, and I expect to prevail upon appeal. Meanwhile, I have to deal with a case uh, having this looming $450,000 lawsuit hanging over my head at judgment. And, and you know, they're even uh, uh, enjoining me from talking about various aspects of the case. I mean, it's that bad. Apparently, yeah. Such a threat when I talk about Sandy Hook that if they could have their way, they would prefer I not be able to talk about it at all under threat of being sent to jail. It's that bad. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Freedom of speech is under attack at all fronts, it seems. Yeah, and if anyone's interested, they, they wanted to support my legal case. None of the money is going to go to offset this absurd $450,000 judgment. But you could go to moonrockbooks.com. There's a donate button there. Or you could go to jamesfetzer.com. Remember, my blog is jamesfetzer.org. There is a, a legal defense fund at jamesfetzer.com, however, for those who might be so inclined to help me stand up for freedom of speech and freedom of the press. Amazing. Now, Jim, before we sign off here, any final words of encouragement or anything of that nature? And, of course, you can find Jim's books at moonrocks, moonrockbooks.com, rather. Sorry about that. I was going to – I had to hit my mute button there. I was going to sneeze. I'll say, you know, there's a lot going on – on my blog, for example, interestingly, the New York Times had an article about how these uh, Sandy Hook parents, you know, are fighting the, 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 their critics. And I put up a post about it. And to my astonishment, it was up there for about eight hours where I laid out the basics. How what you're not being told is that I brought together 13 experts, including six with PhDs. How we established the school had been closed by 2008, that there were no students there, that it was a FEMA drill masquerading as mass murder to promote gun control, that even members of the Obama Department of Education had confirmed that was exactly what was taking place to another of the contributors. And would you believe that comment stayed for about eight hours? I saw that, yeah. Down, but apparently so many others chimed in once uh, there was the opportunity to address this openly that now they have shut off the comments. So 
I think I have that unusual opportunity to make a few words. If someone wants to learn about the case, there's a completely brilliant article by Kevin Barrett, who actually was there for the second day of the trial for damages, entitled The Legal Lynching of a Truth Seeker on UNZ, U-N-Z dot com. Check it out. The Legal Lynching of a Truth Seeker. It's a brilliant piece about the case. And would you believe that the plaintiffs have even sought to have Google suppress searches for the case? So be sure you remember the name. The Legal Lynching of a Truth Seeker by Kevin Barrett at UNZ, U-N-Z dot com. Thank you very much for being a part of the program. Now it's time for you uh, to get some rest, Jim. You have been very busy. Thanks, Michael. Always a pleasure. I so enjoy being on with you. Take care, my friend. We'll do it, do it again next time. You got it. Thanks, Take Michael. Take care. And there he goes, ladies and gentlemen. That was Jim Fetzer. Great guest and a great human being. And when we return, we will talk to another great human being in David D's. Don't go anywhere. Stay tuned. Welcome back to the program. Hello to all of you uh, degenerates and heathens out there. Here we are for round two of the Michael Deacon program. And it's been a very fun show. If you just tuned in right now, you missed Jim Fetzer. And coming up right now is Mr. David Dees. Let's bring in David right now. And uh, David, are you alive out there? Breathing. I can. I feel my, my chest going up and down, breathing uh, in this earth suit I'm wearing, yes? Ah, so you are alive. Good, good. I'm glad you're here. I'm animating this uh, 3D holographic body. My God. It's got real, especially when, it, when I bump uh, my knee into something. You know, you feel the pain of it. It becomes very real, but it's not real. It's temporary. But, yes, I agree with you. And, of course, thank you so much for calling in during the first half of the program with Mr. James Fetzer. Oh, I completely interrupted you. I apologize. I don't know what he was talking about. No, I thought, okay. well, should I try to <laughs> long or should I just then butt in and just start talking about my stuff? No, that's okay. <laughs> I, I really did want you to come in here and talk to Jim. I know you're a big fan of his, and I thought it would be great to have you two uh, talk to each other there. But didn't, you know, I was uh, approaching him from an investigator. I go, aren't you interested in this? And, and, and he immediately pointed out his parameters of, of what he considers his universe, what's real uh, with his outer space and, and where we've been and everything. Well, he's under the scientific influence. That's why. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And there's nothing wrong with that. No. I no, mean, but he's had so many gates. I mean, he is not looking to expand his viewpoint. Well, maybe he's just, you know, married to that sort of concept. Yeah. I'm just assuming here. I could be wrong. (laughs) Yeah, but we're not. But we're not, yes. I'm open-minded. I I think there could be a possibility. You never know. I was going to ask him a question. You know, I wanted to ask him, how how is it, you you know, if there's a vacuum that these, all these astronauts are performing in all the time and all these crazy aerobatics and stuff, well, you know, doing spacewalks, you know, in a vacuum. You know, no air. Okay, I go show me on Earth one time they ever did that as an experiment, or do they practice in a vacuum here? And the answer is no. You know, the one time they put an astronaut in a complete vacuum, he, you know, in about nine seconds, they said that his blood, the saliva in his mouth, 
bubble because his blood was starting to boil. Right. And also another thing, David, this could possibly be our last show together. Oh, it is our last show together. You're absolutely right. This, this is, is it. the last show. This is the one. This is the, yeah, yeah. This is the last day on earth coming up uh, this this Saturday. This is the end of time. Oh, no. It was completed. That's why everything es- uh, escalated in the last seven years. Did you notice how, how the chemtrails and the, the GMOs and the uh, G5, all these things that really make you feel real uncomfortable, make you want to get out of here, right? I agree, and yeah. Behind kind of level, you know, with these these <laughs> – you know, war threatenings of wars and terrible things that are people doing to each other. You know, we, you know, that's not you, you know, that's in your heart. You know, that, that you don't want to be around that. You don't want to see this crazy, crazy house. I don't. So the point is, is that uh, yeah, it's over. It's over. I mean, it's the, it's in the numbers. It's over. That's what I pointed out to Jim. You know, I go, well, aren't you interested? He goes, yeah, I'm interested that nine 11, that they floated that. And he goes, yes, that's what they do. They tell ahead of time when it's going to happen. I go, yeah, but they're doing it again. You know, we got just as many lists of things that are even more uh, incredible that are pointing to this date coming up and what's going to happen. Yes. And as we continue forward here, before we continue any deeper forward, I should say, David, tell the audience a little bit about yourself. Oh, let's see. I I work as an illustrator. Uh, I've been an artist my whole life. Well, my whole uh, working life, I never really made any money doing anything else because I started painting uh, out of high school. So I, I immediately saw that if I painted something on the canvas, it was worth, you know, hundred bucks. So started doing that, you know, hundred bucks. You know, you had to, you had to uh, go to McDonald's. I worked at McDonald's. You know, I don't know how many hours you got to stand and do, you know, do their monkey act for to get a hundred bucks. But anyway, okay, so that's I, I'm, so I became a commercial artist. You know, I, I saw that, you know, there was advertising and there was movie posters. And, and so, you know, my talent lended for that. And so I at art school. I, I did advertising for a few years, but immediately went uh, just to learn the skill and then went to Hollywood and worked, uh, you know, for uh, all the major uh, studios from, uh, you know, 84 till, geez, when I left 2001. So. Uh, and I, I worked for every name you can imagine. I was working for Hanna-Barbera, Disney, Warner Brothers, Paramount. You know, I was the go-to guy at Paramount. For yeah, while. you were deep you in know, there. I was deep in, you know, and I was in Scientology at the same time. Because so that's became, I, you know, uh, the Scientology. I'm still astral. blown. Uh, David, I got to jump in here really quickly and say I'm still blown away that you were in Scientology, like way before it was popular. Oh, yeah, because I've always had this journey That's nuts. For, for expansion. I always wanted, you know, I was, I kept looking. I go, this has got to be more. It's got to be more. You know, so I was expecting, I was in the dreams for a while. I was looking at my dreams going, this is bizarre that I feel so real in this. And I can animate it if I can kind of remember. I started remembering how to change things. In fact, I installed one. I had some bad dreams, you know. Right. You know, everybody has this sort of big victim mentality about dreams. And uh, and they they just kind of go along for the ride, and it gets really terrible. I don't know if you had that, but I did. You know where it gets it gets either perverted or it gets violent, or of course, you, know, you, of course. you know you're suffering. You know, and you wake up and go, "Good God, that was terrible." Well, uh, that was happening to me. Uh, and, but there was a time when suddenly I I put my foot down and I said, "That's never going to happen." Wait a minute, you know. So my dreams suddenly 
it, if anything gets uncomfortable, I immediately become lucid and change it. I, I haven't had a bad dream since I had that realization that I could change it. So now, now it comes into present life because everything in front of you is a, you know, you got a choice and any choice you take, you know, it's like a, a why in the road. It keeps happening. You keep taking choices and stuff. If you follow, if you keep your frequency high and you're connected with source, then your impulses, your urges are, they will guide you towards connections with all the people or all the, you know, whatever you need to get to where you want to go. Right. I mean, whatever goal that is here in this playground, but the people who are parasiting and took over this uh, realm, keep your frequency low with conflict. And you don't never know who you really are because they push you through a government school that takes away everything that's real. And David, okay. I, I don't want to put you on the spot here, but in terms of these, this, this prediction date, the 21st, how is this any different from what other religious individuals have predicted in the past? Name one. Because uh, there was a Y2K, I think that was a prediction, uh, or that there was something was going to happen, didn't happen, or maybe even the Mayan calendar 2012, which was exactly seven years ago on the winter solstice, December 21st. Remember, sure. it was, that yeah. was the end of the world, and it didn't happen, and everybody, you know, you will never trick me again, you know, that like they're being, uh, you know, come on, you know, it doesn't matter what your numbers say, you know, I ain't falling for it again. I mean, that is so low order mentality. I mean, what logic? Uh, anyway, I'm saying that, that the numbers are pointing to some serious, serious change happening next Saturday. My so, God. I, I hope that's it, not true. Well, it is. I, I do have a show. It's, it's <laughs> not going to be a, an explosion. It's you not going to be some kind of a catastrophe. Right. It's going to be simply a flick off. It's just going to be end of cycle. And all the people that are in this game, like in a Jumanji game, are going to be transported out of here. And, and this is the end of the realm. And you, now that's exactly what they're saying. And everything, if you know that, it's encoded into the movies, into the songs. It's all about the X's, uh, the treasure map at the North Pole. See, that's where the green light that's coming out, the Aurora Borealis, you know, some bullshit science, you know, guy is going to tell you that's a play of light from the sun. You know, no, it's a living energy. That's where we're from. Amazing. See? And you, you've been referencing Jumanji for a long time. Did you see the movie uh, recently or something? What, what's going on there with, with this film? Tell me about the significance yet again for the newer listeners out there. Well, in Jumanji, these people, these uh, kids, they're, they're playing this game and they get sucked into this uh, reality that, you know, they are the only living because it's a game. The only, they're the only real players. I mean, they're the only living souls. The rest of them are all just NPCs. They're non-player characters. <laughs> I love that you said that, by the way. Yeah, they're they're <laughs> in a sea of artificial intelligence, which it turns out we are too. So, it, I mean, go figure. I mean, it gets real creepy at that point when you realize that is that the reason that people have these gates, they're unable to expand or to look, you know, uh, into uh, uh, my my chest is is moaning. Uh, it's because I'm, I can't catch my breath. You know, my heart starts. When any, anytime I get excited, my heart starts going, and then I, I talk ahead of myself. That's okay. So hold on. You talk for a second. Hold on. Yeah, no worries. And we are having some difficulty with Mr. David Dees right now. He is having difficulty breathing, but that's okay. 
That's part of life. <laughs> I am. I am. I got to lay back. I got to do like, <laughs> hey, I like the, I like the Northern Lights you put up there. The Aurora. See, so it turns out, okay, dude, Go this for is it. it. Is, is that this realm that we're in, you know, forget about for a second, please just forget about what they told you in school, that they tell you on every uh, media. I got to open this window. This cat's driving me crazy. Oh, yes. <laughs> the cat. Yeah. The, the devious okay. little cat, indeed. Well, you have to open the window for him because, uh, you know, he's because he's at the window because I have a whole patio built there. And, you know, he wants to sit on it, but he also wants to come in through that window. He's so scared he, of the 21st, the cat. Say again? I said the cat is worried about the 21st. Well, you shouldn't be worried. You should be dancing unless you're not a living soul. Because, a little, you know, this whole rapture thing where you're going to be lifted out, you're chosen, and you're, you're just, well, you either are or you're not. Think about it. Think about the people you know. You know, are, do you have gates? It's funny, you have an end of days a radio show. But you are some flashing some heavy Illuminati symbology in there between. And what is yes. wrong with that, though, David? Does that offend you? doesn't offend me. I understand it better now. See? When I found out that the carbon were carbon-based uh, bodies and that the molecular structure of carbon is six electrons, six neutrons, and six protons, you know, it started to make sense. That's the game, see? Only you, uh, only you and only Demogard have mentioned uh, that sort of thing, which I find uh, pretty interesting. But yes, um, uh, the symbolism runs deep in this program. I will admit that, yes. Now is that uh, it? Must be on purpose because you're doing it a lot. So of course, like, I don't need I don't need to know. But I, you know what? I love it now, especially now that we're it's the end of the cycle. Because now I understand it. You know when they, when the celebrities are, are flashing one eye or they're uh, you know well you know, you know David, I got to tell you this. It's a bit satirical, but uh, also it does have some meaning behind the symbology behind the program. Sure. However, there's lots of individuals out there who think um. I'm like conducting some sort of a cult operation here. <laughs> so, you know, I'm just rubbing it in their face. That's all. Well, go ahead. Are you? Are no, you? Because, I, you know, you were saying that I needed to, uh, you know, wear this robe while I was. Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, you know, I'm just saying. Maybe I am. Hey, I, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, but, you know, they say that uh, when you, uh, when the end of time, when you go back to where you came from, which is, you know, where we're from, from the center of this realm. Uh, you know, that's what they, if you, if you watch it, if you go to Flat Earth Paradise and watch the videos there, oh, you should see the new one. He just did 35 minute or 40 minute, uh, the final video where he just summed up everything he's been talking about the last three years. I have to this go check that magic, out. Absolutely magic. This guy is stunning. I mean, the way he has summed it up, uh, you know, and gave a few examples all over the media. No one's looking because... You know, hang on. I'll see you on the other side. Everybody realizes it's going to happen. You know, it's the greatest thing in the world. So we know it's going to happen. Yeah, and everybody's like, oh, no, no, I'll see you the day after. <laughs> hey, guess what? No, you won't. You know, because you'll probably dissolve, you know, because you're part of the matrix. You know, if you're not into it, if you don't recognize it, then, you know, you're not going to wake up out of this game. This game is you are just we're born. That's it. You know what I mean? Yeah, and people don't understand some of your trials and tribulations that you have experienced. People have gone after you, various groups, the ADL, and uh, it's been quite hectic for you. But no longer do you do any more political 
uh, satire work for the record. I don't, but you know, uh, when I was drinking that alcohol, it got me all flustered. Oh no. And, uh, I started thinking that the, you know, I didn't understand about what we're talking about tonight, about the, the, the game that we're playing here and don't go expose it. Let it play. It's let it parasitic, you know, parasitically play itself out. Yes. And let it run its course is what you're saying. Yeah. Because it wasn't always like this, this realm that we're in. If you notice these, these, uh, this table rock, Oregon, just 10 miles from me is a, is a, it's a big stump of a tree that's been cut. You can go above it. You can literally see the rings of the tree. Uh, you know, these rock formations that we consider just rock formations, you know, out in the middle of a desert, you know, that have a flat top. We call them mesas. No, they're tree trunks. Okay, dude. It used to be a bunch of giant trees there. That's all. End of story. Is that we're in a graveyard of an old civilization of giants and giant trees and Beauty, you know, incredible uh, loveliness. Yeah. You know, more higher spiritual than here. I mean, the way we are now. And so what happened is, is that, you know, there was a giant tree at the uh, North Pole and they cut it down. It's 30 miles wide at the base. And now it's a magnet. So all your compasses are pointing to that. That's why, you know, you're not allowed to fly over the North Pole. No one's allowed to go up there. And no one can go up there unless they're you know, pure heart. And it's not that far away. I mean, it's literally right there. How come nobody goes? Because you can't go until you're ready. And guess what? They're getting ready to go across the rainbow bridge where Midgard is connected to Asgard, you know, the realm of the gods. That's us. Right. And David, what would actually convince you? uh, I'm sorry to interrupt you there, but I just wanted to quickly add, what would convince you, uh, David, personally to say, you know, that the earth isn't flat. What what would be evidence for you to see and accept that? It isn't flat. Are you saying it's a globe that's in outer space? Yes. Let's just say that. Yes. Let's just, let's just say it's a globe. All right. Let's say, let's say what, what evidence do you have that other than from NASA? Because no one seems to be getting up very high. I mean, uh, the public is only allowed to maybe take a weather balloon up. And it seems that when they put up a camera that you know, doesn't have a wide uh, angle lens on it that bends everything, you know, that it's flat as it can be. So, you know, uh, so all the photographs and the video you're talking about is coming from a government. Do you really trust this government? Yes and no. You Mo- trust mostly NASA. no. You saw what they put on the moon. <laughs> you know, you trust NASA with the moon shot? You know, it's crazy. Well, I don't know? really believe that for sure. I, I don't believe we went in 69. Well, how is there an atmosphere next to a vacuum? You know, I talked to my uh, my friend who was a professor at the uh, college. I said, how, how if you've got a vacuum out there, how is our atmosphere of air, you know, just right next to it? Show me anything in nature where you could do such a thing. And he goes, gravity. I go, well, <laughs> okay. That's a really good answer. Gravity. Apparently gravity, well, give me an experiment. I mean, if gravity, if air has gravity, you must be able to show me an experiment where you can put some uh, a vacuum neck to some air. I mean, air, if air has gravity. And by the way, happens in outer space. <laughs> okay. By the way, David, I'm curious. <laughs> to ask, because there's a, there's a dome over us. That's the answer. David, I'm curious to ask you if you were following this flat earther who tried to launch himself 5,000 feet up on his homemade uh, rocket, by the way, Mike Hughes, I believe is, is, is his name. Did he 5,000 feet? How far is that a mile? He tried to go up there. And he nearly blew himself up. Did you did you not follow that story? 
I, oh, I thought you would have. I, I missed that one. I, oh, I did send you some pictures though of uh, of uh, Tartaria. Yeah, you did. I, I was gonna I was gonna bring that up at first. I was thinking, did he or did he not follow up with Mike Hughes, who almost killed himself trying to take that rocket up there? Did, did I follow through? I I didn't. Uh, yeah, you weren't I, even I aware. <laughs> I what? I said you weren't even aware of this guy. I was not aware. Okay, so there was a guy who built a rocket. Right. He went up a, a, a mile. He well, I don't think he went up a mile. Well, you know, SpaceX had this rocket that that uh, they uh, were going to launch ten satellites, and so they were supposed to take off over the ocean. Well, it went off course, and it went over Hawthorne, California, and and it just basically broke apart. You know, it looked like it could have been higher than an airliner. It was not very high, and and it was making all sorts of weird. Uh, uh, explosions, uh, but light explosions, kind of weird. It was a very odd looking. And, uh, but on TV, they kept, they just ran the uh, video they already have of it launching the 10 uh, satellites. And so on TV, you don't see that what it's doing that we saw. You know, all you see is that they're launching satellites uh, into outer space and somehow they're floating around. I'm curious to ask you, what is your opinion on, let's say, like flying saucers? UFOs, unidentified flying objects. What's your take on these? Are, are these just ours, or are they from an, another origin that we're not aware of? Well, if you look at, uh, there's an interview with uh, Admiral Byrd where he went to the North Pole. Right, there's right. a diary where it says that, uh, hey, look, you know, everybody wants to debate. I mean, I don't know. It looks pretty real to me where he was talking about that he got to the North Pole and, and they took control of his plane and they landed him, you know, in this city. And uh, it was really nice people, and, and it's very clean and super elegant. Uh, he said, and they had UFOs, they had saucers, just like you see. You, you say they're from outer space. So I think some of the Pleiadian uh, contacts, you know, that Randy Winters, you know about that case, right? Yeah, Before. yeah. Well, he he talks about these beings that are you know angelic and sort of they're human and real good looking, you know, Nordic type that he calls them. Right? Isn't that true? And so I think those are actually uh, sort of uh, advanced Tartarians or, you know, the race that was here before. Do you think God created them? Created who? These uh, entities, these alien beings. They're not alien. They're only alien to us. Well, I see. I'm looking at it from there is no outer space. You're looking at it from outer space is there, which I used to. And I did go to a lot of UFO uh, conventions and was, you know, I was convinced of outer space. But... I was realized that I was looking at NASA's version of Mercury and Venus and Mars and not the truth of somebody just gets a telescope and takes a look. You go, wait, oh, wait a minute. You got to have a NASA telescope to look like uh, it's a rocky place where you can take photographs, you know, like the moon. You can't do that unless you have their telescope, apparently. Really what those are, just uh, mock-ups. I mean, they found they were, you know, photographing this uh, Mars lander off the coast of uh, Greenland and some island. So it's all fake. It's all fake. We're just in a fairy tale. And a weird kind of a cheap, cheap back rent fairy tale. And in the chat room, uh, huh? by the way, in the chat room, there's someone asking, what is his view on what asteroids or meteors are? Well, apparently we have a firmament. I, I made reference to uh, Warner Van Braun of NASA on the gravestone. He put Proverbs, which is a reference in the Bible to the firmament, which is a you know, other passages talk about it being a, a solid dome. And that's what I'm going with is that apparently it's some kind of solid dome and then there's water above that or something. And, and that sometimes uh, there's a crack in it 
and they call it the Milky Way, but it's just a crack where water came in and flooded the place. No. So you get the you yeah, get no, great floods. No, David, we were talking about you being a Scientologist, and I'm curious, how, <laughs> how old were you when you broke away from that and found yourself to... You found yourself becoming a Christian, rather. When did that happen? When did that transformation happen for you? A Christian? I don't think I don't know where you heard that. I thought you said you were a Christian last time. No, no, I've my never. Goodness. I've never been a Christian, huh? I said, my goodness. So, what exactly are you now? That's what I'm being asked. Oh no, I don't know where you got a Christian. I, I'm not a Christian at all. I never talk about Christ. Why were these people uh, telling me that then? My goodness. <laughs> Maybe because I quote the Bible sometimes. Uh, that's you know, probably why. Yeah, there you go. Only what, you know, uh, it turns out there's a Bible from the 1500s that has the words flat earth in it. So you can see that what the uh, the people that along the way that edited Bibles, you know, and say, well, it's not a flat earth. So we'll just take that out. So, you know. Yeah, those uh, are the young earth creationists, believe. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I am because. You know, uh, if, if you think that you're in a flat realm with a dome over it, I mean, you can only be by intelligent design, and that's what it is, and that's what the aurora borealis is, is that, that this whole matrix uh, of uh, life forms has changed. Uh, like I said, it used to be giant trees, and now it's degenerated down to, you know, being chemtrailed, you know, and killing the forest. And so you want out, right? I mean, everybody wants out. I haven't seen uh, too many uh, chemtrails here in my area, luckily. Not as much can- as I used to. That's for sure. Well, we we got bombed the other day here in Oregon. I mean, you've never seen such. One day it's a clear blue sky with no tra- planes, and the next day I saw two planes that were uh, doing a big giant U uh, turn, not U turn, but kind of a ninety degree turn together, and still spraying their stuff. So you know they they uh, they bombed us back pretty good. So I'm pretty thinking that's where I got all the aluminum in me. But I'll take a question or something. Huh? Yes, and I'm looking at the photos you sent me right now, by the way. Okay. Um, hey, you sent me a lot. Well, there was a uh, a, a uh, Tartaria was where Russia is now. and But if you look at our Washington Capitol building, we don't build anything like that. You know, they like to say that it's Roman architecture, Roman, Roman Greco uh, architecture, but that's not true. You know, these buildings are made out of stone. And so they're much older than we were told. I mean, the, our, the history that we were fed was all fake. Yeah, I'm bringing up one of those images right now, by the way. And uh, lovely uh, structure, by the way, and at least in my opinion. Oh, yeah, because uh, just think of, you know, everything is a, has a frequency. Look at the uh, design on these. Yeah, there's nobody around that does anything like this. You know, they lead you to believe a bunch of settlers went across America and they, they stopped in Indianapolis and made a – a Capitol building that was, you know, beyond an architecture's dream? I don't think so. You know, or you look at these cathedrals. These are not weird from people that we know. You know, they're free energy. Uh, you know, these are pretty much a cathedral really is, you know, they have these organs that uh, the Tartarians, I think, used to just go in there and, and get this vibration therapy of some sort. Hold on a second. Utah. Oh no, did the cat come in again? And now David has left the building. I believe he might be tending to a wild feline. I'm not quite sure. But the feline was troublesome earlier. Look at look at that uh, opening of that door. I mean, 
who builds like that? Who builds a dome and why would they? Because these are free energy buildings that uh, take ether, uh, electricity out of the, uh, the air. Because we're in a flat seat. If you look at our flat, uh, ma- uh, not our matrix, but our, our flat uh, realm that we're in, uh, the North and South Pole do have a somewhat magnetic uh, pull. And, and between that and the salt water, it creates a, a battery effect. So we're surrounded by electricity. So this advanced civilization used to have, you know, this on everything. They had these little antennas on top of the houses, and, and that's what kept them warm. So once the parasites came in and kicked them all out and took over the the uh, the castles, they didn't know how to keep them warm because they didn't know how to run anything, and they end up and they didn't have any bathrooms. What's that about? They I had do. some sort of a system. These, these palaces in France. You know, the most ornate, incredible palaces you can imagine for, you know, beyond royalty and they have no bathrooms. So you got you got three stories of elegance and beauty. And so, you know, so then the parasites move in and say, we are the we are the, the creators of this. They didn't build anything like that. They're just a bunch of people that came in and inherited once they killed the people that really lived there. I do like this photograph yeah. you sent me, by the way. It's like a castle. Yeah, you get these castles. Look how tall these, these spires are. Nice. Um, yeah in Germany and look at the beauty of that who you know these people are very special they were they were big in Ireland and in in Germany and what got you fascinated into all of this by the way say that again I said what made you so fascinated into the structure of these these buildings these castles these monuments it's because look at the frequency of the people that created it you know it takes a tremendous amount of effort and information that I don't think we understand in, in a lot of these structures. Yeah, these master yeah. builders, the yeah. ancient builders of yesteryear, many, many moons ago, they seem to have some sort of advanced knowledge to, in my opinion. I mean, I could never build something that many of these ancients have. Well, they had one thing we don't have, and that's free energy. Because, you know, I'm looking at my electric bill, and I only paid 150 <laughs> on it. And, and, you know, it's I got owed about 500 for this stupid electricity. You know, get out of here. So these parasites, you know, they, they got you with the gasoline, you know, this terrible cars, they create, you know, smokes and anyway, you know, uh, you know, they had electric, they had electric cars back in the 1800s. They just, uh, the people that took over, took it, you know, destroyed them all. And then their best to, to burn down most of these buildings. You know, you, you get all these wars and fires and stuff. And you look at the, you know, what, what, what got hit was buildings that tell a story of people that were 20 feet tall or 30 feet tall, right? I mean, civilizations that we don't understand. You know, we, we've been fed that, that England was the, was the master of all this, sort of. You know, they sailed around and brought all these things and all these riches to us. Well, it turns out that's, that's not what happened at all. So, David, what else is going on with you in terms of this new book? Oh, that's right. Did I you get it handled? What happened? Oh, that's a funny story. Um, you you got a picture of my new book? I don't think I do currently. I don't think I have the right cover up yet. I know you might have sent it to me, by the way. Um, yeah, I'll send it to you right now. But yeah, uh, the, you know, the the book went to. Uh, it turns out that there's an international printer that's right here by me. That they have five uh, big. Uh, you know, like one of their buildings is a, a city block. I mean, it's a big deal. You know, and so um, so they're printing all these books in there, and they're going. You know, we. It's, you know, Christmas is our rush time. Well, you know, I was two months late getting this book together. It was a lot of work, you can see. 
I do have one image up now, by the way, that I think it's one of your newer illustrations up in the chat room. Go ahead. What are you going to put up? Well, it's a guy cutting himself from strings from the Puppet Master. Oh, I didn't do that. Oh, you didn't do that? That kind of explains to what's getting ready to happen when we go through. Oh, that's a good one. I like it. Yeah. Very true. That is the nature of the reality we live in. We definitely have to cut the strings from the ever so popular and powerful puppet master. Look at that thing I just sent you. That's the new Sheeple magazine. And you know what? It turns out it's Sheeple 54. Mm, and I see that. Five or, you know, is nine and nine is the number of completion. You know, like episode nine of Star Wars is the day before the 21st. It opens the day before the 21st. So how about that? I'm putting up the image right now, by the way. For those in the chat room, you'll see the cover of the latest Sheeple magazine. It's important because, you know, the new book has 53 covers of Sheeple in it. I mean, some of them don't have any text on it. You can't tell that it's really a cover, but it is. Um, but I archived, I made it a point to archive every uh, cover that I've done the last uh, 11 years. Or no, since 2011. I guess that would be eight years. Now, if only I could find the, the uh, photograph, I could put it up. Oh, that's not it. That is not it. Oh, there it is. There it is. Yes. I don't know what happened. I was clicking it, and it was taking me to a completely different file. But yes, now the Sheeple magazine is now up. Episode 54. Yes, I'm looking at it. Reminds me of the Matrix, that child plugged into the machine. Did it come up? There it is. Yeah, there's a bit of a delay there for you. I do like that, though. Yes, we are living in that sort of age where we will be perhaps even overthrown by AI. That's a a subject that many people are speculating about. Zoom in on the robot. Zooming in. See how it is. I dig it. And this is the newest, the newest addition to Sheeple, correct? That 2019, yeah. Before it's uh, November, December, uh, 2019. That's the last one. And this I is mean, it. it's an imaginary magazine. It's not a real magazine. It's the, there you go. For sure. My it's goodness. It's not a real magazine, but it's, it, you know, it's fun to, to imagine what it could be. I mean, it's gone through a lot of incarnations, but it still stays sort of the same. Yes, I'm wondering what exactly you would do if you, if this was a real magazine, what exactly would you use as content? Well, um, you know, we got the cover. <laughs> we're halfway there we're halfway there that's right i guess i guess you just have a you, you just contact people about uh, what they got i get influenced by by articles and stuff so i can illustrate with an article but you know the, the guy that uh, helps me with this he had the idea he just said do one about sustainable development and i don't know how i came up with this concept and i just tossed it right off and and then i went to to build it it only took a couple of hours and then about couple hours to smooth it all out, but uh, it's a beauty, huh? And look, I even got the glow birth in there for you. I like that. Yeah, just and the robot's teaching you about glow birth. <laughs> I You're dig stuck it. To a ball that's spinning 10,000, no, 1,037 miles an hour. There's people still believe that. I, I guess you do. It just it shocks me. I just, I go, because I've looked into it. I mean, it is so obvious to me. You know, uh, if, if you've got a curve or what? Now, what about flat water? I mean, there's there's a lake in, in Russia that's 400 miles long that freezes, and you can just shine a laser across it. So we're having a lot of trouble finding that curve you're talking about. You think that water curves? It don't curve. You know, 
There's no example of a curve in water. You can see across Chicago, Lake Michigan, you can see Chicago. On a good day, you photograph it. You know, there's all sorts of play above the water there. Sometimes you can't see it at all. Sometimes you see the top of the buildings, but sometimes you see all of it. The point is, is that, is that uh, yeah, it's, you know, I thought, you know, you're showing a, a globe there that's, that's got a lot of curved water. Well, we can't find any. You know, that's kind of a problem when you're looking for evidence. So I don't know how you feel about it, but, I mean, that was a big sticking point. You know, we, we can't find any curve. And then plus, I mean, I, I looked at, um, there's so many examples um, of proof. I mean, you can see lighthouses across many miles. You can see mountain ranges where you shouldn't be. They should be over 20 miles of curvature. You can see the whole mountain. Yes. Good. And with infrared film. Infrared film cuts through the haze sometimes. So. Well, you have to understand that I have my own sort of, um, I, well, I guess we could say it's a little bit biased in the scientific world. You have to understand uh, a lot of my handlers out there, my various handlers, they sort of have influenced me in that sort of, um, in that sort of realm. So I'm kind of, I guess I'm a little bit stuck there. But again, I am open minded. Perhaps things are not the way we are led to believe that they are. Oh, that is for sure. Because we were led to believe that we're about to be eaten up by a bunch of, uh, you know, parasitic uh, uh, lizard uh, blood drinking royalty and that they're going to create a FEMA camp and, and you're going to be uh, exterminated. Well, I, don't, I don't see any FEMA camp like that. Yeah, I mean, have you seen this uh, Stonehenge in, in Georgia? It's called the Georgia Guidestones. Yes, sir. Okay. There is a hole. They drilled a hole through it that goes, and you look at it at night. It's focused on the North Star. You know when they have a, um, a camera that's open, and it shows the star spinning in, a, in a, like a wheel? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. You know about that? Okay. Mm -hmm. So in the middle is the North Star. So the North Star never changes. It's sitting right there. It's got these wheel. These stars are, are spinning around it. Now, how does that fit in going uh, 1.9 million miles an hour through a, a galaxy? which is what they want you to believe, it doesn't fit in very well at all. You know, we got the same constellations in the sky. We got the same North Star over the North Pole. Hmm. And there used to be a giant tree they chopped. Isn't that funny? You have a Christmas where you celebrate by cutting down a tree with a North Star, I mean, with a star over the, on the top of it. So, you know, and, and it's done by a man in a red suit with a name that is an anagram for Satan. You know, I'm sure these are all just coincidences. No, they're not. It's a joke because there's elves in the story. There's elves at the North Pole. We are the elves. We're the fallen ones. We're the fallen angels. We came into this heavy density game. We played it just like a game of Jumanji. And it ends next Saturday. You love Jumanji, by the way. No, I didn't. I don't like movies like that. You've talked like about it so much. I'm thinking that you love the movie now. No. Oh, look, at there's a picture of there a it satellite. Is. Yeah, there's the one that you sent me right now, by the way. Glad you Official saw NASA photograph of a satellite, you know, floating around. Do you think? And look, you can see the clouds. Are you, are you telling me right up there is a place you can float around? That's a very weird photo. Look, it's on ABC. It's just a still off of a. So this is the official story. They believe this is, you know, I don't. Anyway, that's the point. This, 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 this is all fake. It's all fake. You know, there's no. You know what they got is these balloons. The real satellites are the balloons. The balloons that that, that they launch. From Norway, they all, and they give them the same names as the satellites. They say they're launching from the from the uh, space uh, shuttle. Anyway, but forget all that. It's all facade. It's all for kicks. You know, it's Sophia. It turns out there is there's no such thing as a god, uh, a male god particularly. It's an invert because the truth is it's a female. 
and she created this realm. Apparently, this is the story. Sophia. So a woman created all of this. Say again? I said, so you're saying a woman created all of this? Yeah, her name's Sophia. Sophia. Yeah, and I think there's more than her. But anyway, Sophia is our goddess. She's she's the one that loves us. That's going to bring us home uh, to go back to the garden and that whole thing. So we're getting ready to be in non-resistance. See, this realm that we're in is heavy resistance, you know, where, where you can feel the lower emotions. You can't feel those in a higher frequency. This is the fifth dimension. This is the age of Aquarius. When your shadow becomes a halo and you're in joy all the time. They, I, they gave me a hallucination, not a hallucination, but a, they, they took me there and they showed it to me. And, it, and when it left, it, it was like a dream that went away. But I was standing in a room when it happened. Wait I a felt minute. like that I, what, what, I'd been away. What, what hallucination? Well, I was, uh, you know, when you raise your frequency on a regular level, uh, per Abra- Abraham Hicks, if you listen to Abraham Hicks, and, and it's by putting your attention on things you love on a regular basis, uh, you'll start to, ha- you know, after weeks or months of that, certainly for me, years now, um, I'll have, I had a, an experience where they transported me to this, uh, the, well, uh, to this place. And the, but the last thing I could remember was the last thing that happened. Hold on a second. I got to catch my breath. That's all right. Yes. We are speaking with Mr. David Dees, ladies and gentlemen, and he's catching his breath. Don't worry. He will return. I don't know why I can't, I can't seem to talk because my, you know, I feel like I'm out of breath. I'm so excited about what I'm actually talking about or telling you. That's because okay. I, I, I've never, I've only had this one experience that I can remember. Well, I, I had told you about I had missing time. Yeah. Uh, and you believe that you were abducted for sure. Yeah. I had 13 episodes in 2009 and 10 that I can have a timestamp of before and after. And it's between each one, 13 times was between three hours and 12 hours, some 15 hours. <laughs> and so with no memory of them happening. But the funny thing was, is that I felt like, I don't know what happened between there, but it, it was fun. It was good. It was okay. It was not like I woke up and said, wow, you know, they, I've been tortured. Yeah. For the record, you weren't probed. I was not probed. It was not Amazing. a scary thing. Good. Good. In good. fact, I lost, I completely lost my fear of things. I used to be real creeped out by graveyards or darkness and stuff. I really did as a kid, you know, and so it kind of carried on. It, that all just left. My whole attitude about life and leaning into it changed. Are you afraid of death, by the way? Well, if it's painful, I don't want to hurt. <laughs> I don't think it is painful. Yeah, we're not going to have a death on uh, next week, we're, but we're going to transition. We're going to have our old bodies. Turns out we have bodies. We have bodies at the North Pole. Bodies at the North Pole. That are dreaming all this up. I mean, that's the crazy thing is, that, is we have bodies at the North Pole that is dreaming all this up, this whole matrix. And it's the end of the cycle coming up next Saturday. So we're all going to return back to the joy. So I'm what terrified. they did was is they gave me this missing time and these, these, this one hallucination or this transportation where I, I went to uh, – the last thing I remember was being in a, a, a dance festival or a dance – you know, people dancing and joyous in a street that, was, that had this multicolored clothes but in a really, really elegant and tasteful way in a way that was just so – it was beyond royalty. It was so beautifully well thought out, just like the architecture. You know, we see the Tartarian architecture that, that that's very ornate. This was way past that. This was this was you're beyond heaven. You know, this was all in gold and ambers. Uh, you know, but also turquoises and and, and colors. Uh, 
and, and everybody was your friend and everybody was happy. It's crazy. It's, it's the most fun I've ever had. I mean, and they just dumped me back here. And then I go, wow, I can remember that. And then, but it faded, it faded, uh, after a few days. Interesting. But I, you know, I used to have a really, it seemed like I had a really good visual on it. I could, you know, I, I had, I could, if you'd asked me then, I could have given you some real details, but I can't anymore. Yeah. I'm sure your memory is a little bit, a little bit clouded from that sort of experience, especially now. And by the way, in the chat room, the other cider wanted me to ask, who is God then? Well, uh, well, if you go from the, the biblical God, he's, uh, he's quite different than source. Source energy is non-resistance. That means, you know, it's none of the lower emotions. Source is not, source is a creative force. Source is very intelligent, but also very playful. Um, you know, all these things that, that seem like they're of the devil and stuff is all source, you know, because it didn't always be like this. This is just all descending because it's going to take all our children home. That's kind of what, what's getting ready to happen is that, that all the people you see around you, these are not all living souls. Turns out that we're in a sea of artificial intelligence that is, you know, all the people that keep this construct going, background players in a movie. The NPCs. Yeah, the NPCs. My goodness. You, you know, know, I've always. Friends. Go ahead. Sorry. Well, I have friends that are NPC. They're, I have, uh, you know, I have a landlord that's an NPC. I have neighbors, and I oh, have no. Tell them I recognize it because they have such gates. They go, okay, we're. I'm not going any farther with you on this. You know, you know how opinionated I am. You ever seen one of my books? Of course. Yeah, I love it. So, I'm glad that you do have an opinion, though. I'm, it's. Very rare that somebody would be uh, this outspoken about anything, really. Most people, you know, they usually just show up. Yeah. I, like I said before, hey, I really enjoyed that time me and you did a radio show. Two, was it two and a half hours? Oh, we're doing one now. <laughs> yeah. The one before, though, I listened back to it because I was thinking, you know, because like, who am I to, to get on the radio and talk or if anybody wants to listen to what I got to say? And I don't know that I can put my words together very elegantly. Oh, it was fascinating. And right now it's fascinating. I mean, we haven't even talked about the photographs you sent me of that operation that you had. <laughs> I mean, good Lord, we are barely yeah. scratching the surface yet again here. Yeah. What's that about? You know, I, I sent him photographs of, of my healing uh, that I showed no one. I Andy Kaufman had the same thing done to him many, many moons ago, too. No, he didn't. He, well, in the movie, I he thought shows he did. That it's a fake. Okay. In the movie, it, it claims that it's a fake and he realizes it's a fake. I'm telling you, is this is not a fake. What but I'm showing is, you is done is by Alex Orbito, and this is not fake. So you, this was the real deal, Holyfield. Hang on. You, you can't put your finger into somebody's eye socket up to your knuckle and not have them scream. And when he did it, the guy didn't even feel it because I talked to him. This is my buddy, right? You're seeing this. I took this photograph of this finger in this eye socket. And afterwards, I said, what would that feel like? And he goes, <laughs> what? He had his finger inside your eye socket up to his knuckle. And he reached around the back of your eyeball and he goes, no, he didn't. I go, yes, he did. I got it on video. And, wow. and I also have it on uh, a shot photographs. There was a video going to. And, uh, oh, I found the photographs, said, by the way, and they are graphic and I love them. Yeah. Oh, if you want to see gore, this is, but this is not painful. Okay. So there's no one in pain, even though you see blood, this is not, uh, it didn't hurt. I mean, it, you know what is uncomfortable. I can say when I'm laying there and his fingers hit my stomach, you know, or in my throat, in my chest, it, it's not like you can feel them inside of you. I can just say, is that is this sensation that you, I keep my eyes closed and I just try to relax. 
Oh shit. Yeah. He doesn't want, he, oh, he also is very sensitive. So he, uh, he would never. By the way, here is that photograph and you could see a finger going inside that man's eye. <laughs> Holy shit. Speaking of eyes, you know, you put eyes up all the time. Here's your real eye. Your <laughs> evil eye. It's funny. There's that finger. Look at that. He's fingering his eye hole. I haven't seen it yet. It's it's a delay. Uh, how long's the delay? Yeah, only a couple seconds. It sh- it should be up pretty soon. Oh, there it is. Yeah. yeah blow that. Wow. Yeah, that's my buddy. That's my buddy. Good He's from Spain. God. He's a sheep farmer. Yeah. Look at that. That finger is in there deep. Oh yeah. I mean, it, it was more so. I mean, I don't know if I've been caught as how deep it went, but you know, he did that a few times, and then when it came out in the corner of his eye, and the, there's a video too. It's, there's this black. Uh, black consistency that comes up in the corner and he pulls on it and it's like a string that comes out of his eyesight. And wow. you can see, and, and, uh, it helped his eyesight, whatever he took out, uh, you know, this, this toxin that was in his body. It, what it, was uh, it in his eye? That toxin? What, what, what exactly is that? If you, if you do know, what is that? Alex says that it's just a, it's, it's from all over the body in that whole area. It just all just runs to his finger. It's not like if you opened up the body, you'd see this black jelly. You won't, right? And it, it comes out because, because he says it, it it comes to his hand. And you let this guy finger your eye. <laughs> he did my eyes, too. Oh, shit. But I never really had big of an eye socket, uh, an eye problem. But All right. They, I'm, putting up the, I'm putting up the photograph of you this time with that procedure is uh, being done to you. I think it's right here. I think I was smiling. Oil. And I, it's called oil healer. I will see. There we go. He's about a, he's about a finger you. <laughs> finger your eye hole. Look at that. My God. And, and David, you went in this without any pain, correct? You just kind of flew in there and you sort of was, were in some sort of trance. What was going on? This is actually a, an oil healer that's not Alex Orbito. Oh, different guy. It's a different guy. Oh, All he shit. did was massage. He, he never went inside the oh, body. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, it was. I think it was either a relative of his or a friend of his that we, when we traveled, I was with him for eighteen days, and we traveled around the Philippines, and he, he introduced us to his family. Look at my face; I look like a like an angel. You do. You look <laughs> so. You look so angelic in this photograph here. I know. I, I never really thought about it, but now that I'm old, it, you know, I always thought, well, that's just the way I look. But now I go, you know, man, I used to look a lot better. <laughs> you look really, you look like you might have been like uh, some 80s band or something. Uh, yeah. Like you oh, were yeah. singing in some yeah. 80s group. Look at that. You figure out, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty intense photograph. Hold on, let me, let me put up an, a different photograph here for the audience can see this photograph that I'm looking at. Where I'm looking at you, and I'm thinking this guy was like a singer in the '80s or something. Oh, yeah, yeah look, look, I used to have big hair. Yeah, look yeah. at this shit. Look at this. Look at this, this folks. Look at that. This was the '90s. I was in the Guns N' Roses. Look at look at this handsome bastard right here. Oh, I don't know. Look at that. With the kids, with the with the Asian kids everywhere. Oh, look at that. Oh, that's. Should load up. Yes, with with the earring on and everything. Oh, let's see. You can blow that up. Oh, that's nothing. Look Dude. at you there, David. Look at that. I know. Look at uh, <laughs> uh, down the coast uh, of, of Hundred Islands. Uh, down, uh, I walked the beach for miles and, and found uh, families that were living in bamboo huts that were so beautifully done, but so basic. And they were fishermen. And they, uh, this isn't where this. This is a different village. Uh-huh. We traveled and saw, you know, the uh, the real Philippines. The the, the other real- cider in the chat room is saying, Sammy. 
Hagar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sammy Hagar. Let's see. Oh, you want to see a photograph? Okay. If you want to go there or right, what else you got next? I mean, I can, I can, we got a couple more. Wanna... We, we still have, um, well, I have this photograph here of this man. who's going to dig inside your belly button right now. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. You don't look angelic in this one though. <laughs> no, no, once he worked on you, it's, it's, uh, yeah. Look, you know, I almost died. Okay. Oh, it's, shit. It's great, is that the reason I was in the Philippines was, is that I'd got poisoned by this paint. I'd been painting these illustrations of, uh, using acrylic paint. For, that's right. That's right. You know, that I was, it's all this art that I was doing in Hollywood. Okay. Turns out that it was killing me and it was, I was cadmium had poisoned my pancreas and it was, it was not working. So I had to, I asked for help. I did. I got on my knees. I never prayed. I, I don't pray. You know, I think I prayed back when I was a Christian when I was 12, but that's the last time. Look at you there, David. That's, maybe that's what, yeah, there, there I am getting, it's like I got something in my pants. Uh, no, yeah, yeah. If you zoom in on that, he's, he's uh, taking something out. Yeah, there's like some sort of um, substance there being yeah, yeah. extracted from your belly button. Yeah, and I've seen him. One of his techniques is he takes a whole roll of cotton and he and he turns it into this sort of a rope that's about eight inches long, and then he pushes it under the skin and the belly, and then Good the God. next day he takes that and it's got that black stuff wrapped on it. I've seen him do it dozens of times. That's so crazy. Yeah, he invited me. He said that he said that you're you're. He, I think I told you that he's I'm part of the family. Yeah, yeah, so, you were telling me about that briefly. Yeah. I, to go and do anything I wanted, anything, anywhere, take a photograph or anything, talk to anybody about anything. I'm telling you, it was so real. It's so real. So crazy. Hold on. Let me put up another photograph here, even slightly, even more graphic. Well, not that graphic, but you know, you know, it's not that graphic, but this one right here is a bit, Ooh, that doesn't look comfortable. Uh-oh, is it going to be the close-up? Yep, it's the close-up. Mm-hmm. It looks like he's taking off a... He's, it looks like he's taking a fetus out of your belly button there. That's not mine. That's not me. That's a woman. Maybe it was a fetus. I, I took, Good Lord. Picture. I don't see it yet, but I took the picture. Yeah, his fingers are in there deep. Look at that. Oh, that's not it. It gets way worse than that. Oh, no. It gets worse than that. Oh, that's nothing. That's nothing. Well, you can see right here. See that red that's on the, his fingertip? Mm-hmm. That is the... And it turns that color red because it's so soaked in blood. Wow. So he's getting to pull out some more cotton. That's what that red is. And then the black, you know, he fills bowls full of that stuff, you know. But it, he said that it's just a coagulation, a, a um, conglomeration of all these toxins uh, that are in the body. It's like, a, he's, right? it's like he's performing an abortion right here. Yeah. A graphic. My God. <laughs> I got the stuff on video, but uh, I know that's crazy that you do have it on video. Now that I would love to play here. <laughs> there is one of them taking a, a, he showed it, he showed it to the audience, but the audience was only, uh, you know, our group, which was about 15 people and he presented it and everybody gasped. You can hear it on <laughs> because it was kind of a gray uh, ball that was uh, smaller than a golf ball, but you know, maybe half the size of a golf ball or more, but it was gray. And, you know, this had is... some, some things stuck to it. That's not it either. No, oh, this you're, isn't not it. Going, you're not going for the, the hardcore, the, the, the classic. Well, well, where's the hardcore one? 
Okay. Here's <laughs> that's nothing. Okay, but you see what it okay, this is I'm sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. Okay. <laughs> but you can see how yeah. his finger is inside the, the skin, you can see, and that's coming out. It was not there. That's from a video. I mean I shot the photograph, but there is a video too. You know, a second ago, this was not there. This this is coming out, and it, it's going to keep coming out. It's oh, wait not, a minute! Just- wait a minute. By the way, this is this is a photograph I did want to ask you about. This this is the one where it's like he's digging inside of the head. <laughs> that is why uh, I shot the photograph. It's a, it's a girl that had brain cancer. Oh shit! Okay. Yeah, and so he was taking it out of the top of her head. I yeah. mean, it just her hair just parted. I saw it come right out of her skin. Wow! <laughs> he just took it right out. It, it Man. just pulled long string too. You see it in the photograph. And it's now in the chat room. I'm not sure if you can see it yet. Yeah, that's it's pretty crazy for those that are not watching this over on YouTube. Those who will listen to this on a replay, you definitely have to check out these photographs and. What we're seeing right now is some lady that's laying down and it seems like there's some sort of weird black substance being pulled out of her head. (laughs) It really is. That's exactly what it is. Good God. I had a sequence of it. I used to have a whole box of of photographs. I would, you know, I was going click, 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 click. And it was in this sequence, there was about 10. I think that's the only one survived. You know, I got it digital and it's probably in danger too. Jeez. Yeah. Okay. So. Um, how do I send this? I guess it's Skype. Yeah, I just sent sent to me through Skype, and I'll pull that up there. And who is this, by the way? There's another another photograph you sent me where it's like it says it says it's it's um Pablo. You know what you're getting ready to see? Okay, there you go. What you're getting ready to see is going to blow your gourd. <laughs> yes, but who is this, who is this nice gentleman that you're next to right here in this photograph? Pablo. Who's Pablo? Oh, that was the guy with the eye. Oh, this is the guy with the eye. Yeah. We were best friends during that. I mean, he was so funny. He was a sheep farmer from from Spain, and we laughed our ass off. He was way into just clowning around, and we were in town and and, uh, having a big old time. He looks like fun. So look at at the – what I just sent you on Skype. All righty. Now I'm going down, and I'll – Just go, go ahead and put it on. All right. Oh, man, he's like knuckle deep inside of you. <laughs> For anybody that, that would even imagine the stuff I'm sending, I'm showing you is fake. That, oh, I could fake that. Yeah, yeah, I guess you could. Yeah, You I, can't fake this. There's a video of this. I don't know how he could fake this. I mean, I've never seen anyone, you know, fist uh, another human being like that and think it's fake. It's not fake because – and look at it. It's past the – Knuckle. Yeah, this guy, the, this guy is like basically fisting you. It's it's insane. <laughs> right through your stomach. <laughs> oh, my God. He is just going to, to town on your stomach there. Oh, it was that. a rough, uh, you know, I've seen some rough surgeries, man. I mean, it is uncomfortable when you got somebody's hand inside you like that. Holy okay. shit. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. It's up in the chat room. And that is graphic. Good. Yeah, this will this will end this conversation about this. This should be the, the final, <laughs> the final shot. Yeah, there you that's... go. Yeah, for anyone that thinks that this is a joke, this ain't no joke. I shot this photograph. Okay, this is this is the real thing. Holy and like shit. I said, I asked for help, and the funny the funny thing was is, is that I was in such pain, and I knew I was going to die. And in fact, the doctors later, after I turned around, they said we we. 
we've seen cancer patients look better than you. I go, dude, I knew it. I knew it was over. And so they gave me this impulse to go to this bar and I met this guy and then I got his phone number and then he, uh, he invited me to uh, the next day. He invited me next day to this little party. It was only about 10 people. And one of them was a, uh, a assistant to Alex Orbito. And she told me that he was going to be here. I expected to be a line around the block. It was only about 20, 30 people that showed up. By the way, so this is a private, private invitation only. I, I just want to quickly, I mean, quickly add that in the photograph here. You can, so you can see the date, 92. See what? Oh, the date when, when it was taken, by the way. Oh, yeah. In 92. 92. My God. Yeah. Got to play that sound drop yet again for you. Yeah, there you can see her side of her body. Um, Holy shit. There we go. <laughs> yeah. You know, and the funny thing was, I was in Scientology at the time, and, and I was so sick, I couldn't continue. And I came back from the Philippines with these photographs. And they said, and I gave them, they, they wanted to see some photographs. I should have given them copies. I really, should, I don't know what I was thinking. I go, well, these are not quite as good as those, you know, but I gave them, you know, I gave them a bunch. And they, of course, they never gave them back. By the way, Dr. Strange Love in the chat room wants me to ask, scars left? And that's a good question. Are there scars left on your stomach there from that abortion? Yeah, yeah, there's scars that your the skin uh, has this uh, puffy, um, line on it you can see it uh, and it lasts a, just a few hours and it fades but it's it, when you as soon as it happens your skin you can really turn bright red that's crazy yeah and it's real puffy but you know he's talking about you know that the way that a hand goes into the body is because the body is made of water you know and he said he said i'm not tearing the skin see he said but i didn't always know how to close the body once my hand was in it because there are people you know, he said, I learned how to do it, but there's people who who can get their hand into the body, but they can't. When they take it out, there's a big gaping hole because <laughs> they freak out. They're all freaked out. And so they lose their contact. They they lose their, you know, connection with Oof. source or whoever doctors are that are that are working through them. You get what I mean? Yeah, I, I hear you. I'm just. Freak out and they run away. So Oof. he they had to call him to bring him to close up. You know, somebody else had opened up somebody. <laughs> so they. And Alex closed the body. So, you know, these Filipinos, you know, they're tapping into some pretty high end uh, spiritual healing. So I got to see it firsthand uh, twice. I went back twice and and, uh, and he accepted me. And like I told you, this that he told the, all the people there that worked with him. He said, this D, David Dees is part of my family. He said, he said, we have been with him for years. We've never seen him act like when you came. <laughs> and I, I was thinking, maybe he likes blondes. You know, I mean, that's the level of spirituality I was. I mean, I was so sick. I was just, I don't know why he would like me. You know, <laughs> in the chat room, was, in the chat room, we do have a user that's saying, "Is this practice considered ADL approved?" Obviously, joking, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah. Who knows? All right. All right. That's enough. Let's let's change topics. Wait, one you know, more, got- one more, one more photograph. I I needed you to sort of tell me about here. And this is the foot operation. What was what, what was going on here? Well, I, I don't see it yet, but I'll, yeah, I'll it'll look. load up in a moment here for you. Yeah, that's crazy. All these strange uh, substances being pulled out of people's um, orifices here. <laughs> I know, and it's so funny. I saw so many surgeries; it just became, you know, you know, it could blow that up. You know, I, people think that's not very miraculous. I go, keep blowing it up. Blow, keep blow right into where the fingers are hitting the skin so you can really see it. 
See, you're looking at the heel, see, and you can see the black that's coming out. But look at the the hand on the right that's that's holding. Look, there's no fingernails. That's because they're through the skin. You can see it. You can see where the skin is given way and the fingers are through. My God. See, see, there's no fingernail. You see the top of it. You can just barely see the top of it. the skin has come apart. I'm telling you, I saw it over and over and over. I got bored with it. I mean, I saw so many that, you know, I didn't watch as many as I could have. I could have kept watching. I go, I get it. I get it. <laughs> I get it. You can part the skin and you can pull stuff out. It's, it's miraculous. It's, uh, I like it. Look, I like people that have abilities. You know, I, I, I like cats. Cats have super abilities. They, they got skills. All righty. Well, enough of um, strange yeah, yeah. Uh, so, things being pulled out of people. Now we are back here and talking about Sheeple Magazine. And, of course, I do want to know, when is this new book dropping exactly? The book has dropped. It's, it's oh, it's already dropped. Print. Okay. Not only printed, but I already made the first the trip to the post office and put it 75% in. I've already completed the rest of the order. So everything is going to be going out. But I've got a stack of stuff going out of the country. I mean, it must be 30 pieces. And you got to stand at the damn post office. No, I guess I should do it myself. I don't know how to do it myself. Does anybody know how to do it? For those that want to check out David's work, go to ddees.com. That's D-D-E-E-S.com. Well, you got to put the www because I got now people are going to two different sites. You got to have www.ddees.com. Actually typed it without the um, W's and it worked. It depends on what you're looking at. It, I, I can't tell you what you're looking at. You know, I mean, is, is it the fire sale or are you looking at the front of the book? Oh, just the, the website the, here. The what? Just your main website. But which one? What do you see? Well, I see the um, where it says fire cell, 50% off, volume uh, one and three. So that's the wrong one. That's the, that's the old one. So I, I built a new one, which is www.dd.com. I, I had to go back because so many people are ordering off of the first one. Mm. That, and I, plus, the book came out. I don't have time to shut it down. Shut it down. You know, yes. Because I came to a new, a new website, which is www, and they have not turned off the old one yet. Do you get what I mean? I get so, you. I, I see it now. Now I went to the proper website and I could see the volume four right in front and center. There you go. So I'm really excited about that cover. I mean, I can just I love stare it. at it. Every time I see it, I'm happy. I, I dig it. Yeah, that's a that's a good one, David. It's the clown. Yeah. Well, I went through uh, seven different covers. I, I just could not find one that, you know, I, I cut off in my illustration this, you know, I, I don't want to do it anymore. I, I want to do other things. And it turns out uh, after next Saturday, it looks like that I am. not. <laughs> uh, that's true. Yeah, I'm done. And, and uh, you know, and plus the fact is I'm showed you how uh, with, with the healing, they saved my life. I mean, I would have been dead just like just another statistic of somebody that inhaled a bunch of paint and died, you know, from what they love to do. Just another brother dead for sure. Another brother dead. But I turned it around. I asked for help. You know, you can ask for help. Um, I, in fact, I didn't pray to Jesus or God or anybody. I said, I just started praying. I just said, is anybody listening? I said, if anybody <laughs> know me, you know, I couldn't hear anything. I didn't know any. I go, look, I'm in terrible trouble. I go, I'm in big trouble. I'm going to die. I go, if I don't get help, I'm going to die. That's what I said. I said, if anybody can hear me. Oh, no, okay. David. It did. And guess what? In two weeks, I went to the Philippines. I'm telling you, it was that crazy. That is crazy. 
Huh? That is pretty crazy. That's like a divine intervention there. Well, you know, I had the impulse to do this, to do this, and then you meet somebody that leads you. I led me right to it. But see, you have to be uh, you have to be in the receiving mode. The trick is uh, the key is is in your frequency because the lower frequencies cut you off from source. And the man asked earlier, do you believe in God or, or what is your definition of God? I go, well, that's not source. Source is non-frequent, uh, non-resistance, pure non-resistance. That's only high frequency, only cheerful, joyful, you know, the, the most high-end beauty. That's all. It's not grief. It's not sorrow. It's not fear. It's not all the things that they've, they've installed. Oh, what did you do to the book? Oh, my God. Well, this is the photographs you sent me. It kind of sort of um, compressed the image for whatever reason. But yes, it's much better looking on the website. But this is a this is a good chance for those to actually see it. And this is probably my favorite. It's probably my favorite photograph you made, actually. That's the cover, but you squashed it. You just squashed it down. Imagine, imagine it should be the other way that tall. That's what it's supposed to look like. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little squashed there. But yes, beautiful though. I, I dig it. It, I think it came out good. I mean, I wanted That's to keep great. working on it. It was a last minute uh, decision. I, I was the one that I had for the cover was one that Jeff Rents wanted. And then I, it it had that big eye on it. You know, he loved that idea. That it was a big fucking eye. You would have loved it. And so it's in the book. Nice. Well, I'm looking forward to actually seeing this. Can you not compress it? Um. Well, the the one that you sent me on... um through Skype, it kind of came out that way for huh. some odd reason. Oh, I see. Yeah, it sort of came out that way. But it's awesome. Everyone can see it. Everyone, I'm sure everyone will love it. Yeah, so, you know, there's a website that makes fun of me about all the art that I do. And they said, it looks like his skills in Photoshop are getting worse. <laughs> oh, boy. Was it Gawker? Who was it? It was like that. You know, and I just thought, oh, you know, it's true. I'm getting worse. You're getting worse. I guess. I don't know. I don't think so. I think your work is pretty solid, man. Yeah, who cares? I dig it. I think that just comes from people that don't like you very much or they don't like some of the things that you're presenting. Oh, I love it when they start talking about uh, 5G or something they know nothing about. I mean, they just start by ins insulting me, how stupid I am, uh, you know, for even caring about this. And then there'll be somebody in the group that will write in and say, yeah, but he's got a good point, you know, and then he gives them maybe a link or something. And then people go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What about but, selling T-shirts? Gang of Four would, Gang of Four just said that would be great on a T-shirt. And I agree. And that's something that I was going to bring up to you on the, the last program, that some of these shirts would actually look or some of these uh, designs would actually look great on a, on a T-shirt. Yeah, they would. Yeah. Well, I don't want to have to do it. And I have you the know what? 5G I, photograph I just, up another, there, by the way. I, I I keep, what's that? Yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. That's okay. I'm just saying I have the 5G photograph you made, by the way. Oh, can you zoom out? Yeah. Zoom out a little bit there for everyone. But yes, this is the one. And this one's pretty good. Pretty good work here. You know, and one of the covers I made for Jim Fetzer, you had this sort of um, pyramid made of uh, skulls, basically, like the all-seeing eye. And I actually used that for one of the cover cover arts for um, Jim Fetzer. That came, that came from you. Hmm. Um, yeah, I really love it. I mean, it's uh, it, it's uh, such a treat to have it into a book. And then I, yeah. I found maybe about six times now, I just stop, go, you know, through as many pages as you can digest. It, it's got a, it's a pretty good read. Not a read, a good uh, 
art show. And by the way, how many pages is this volume four? 112 illustrations, full mm-hmm. page bleed. The quality of the page, you can't believe it's velvet. I mean, it's just, and it's thick. It's an art paper. It's just the highest end. It's the best. I said, I want the thickest paper. I want the thickest cover. I want the most gloss you can get on the cover. You know, it weighs a pound. I'm telling you, it's a, it's a, <laughs> it's a great coffee table book. Somebody just wrote and said that they're bread and bre- bread and breakfast, bed, bed and breakfast. Uh, they were keeping that on the table, you know, along with maybe a couple other, you know, crazy books. But he said it shocks the hell out of people, but they love it. He said they always get good compliments. You know, they always love it. He said they, they look, they look, <laughs> you never know what the effect it's going to have on people, but they does affect everybody. I agree. And David, we are running out of time already. My God. Yeah. So uh, next Saturday is uh, the end of time. The end of times. Yeah. Yeah. The end that's, days. Well, that's right. The end of days. This is your last show. This is my last show. And uh, yeah, go to my website, www.dds.com. And I'll send you a book before Christmas. Autograph copy, by the way. Autograph copy. The autograph. You'll love it. Amazing. You know, and they're half price. If you drop 30 bucks, you can get one delivered. See? Yes. So go, they're going back up to 50. Go to www.dds.com. That's D-D-E-E-S.com. Great yes. stuff. You did a really yes. good job for this, by the way, David. Say that again. I said you did a really good job on this. Which piece? The five G? Everything. Just the whole the whole kin caboodle. Well, I've got your address and I'm gonna be sending you a book. I'm gonna yeah. send you a bunch of books. I'm down. I'm looking forward to that. This I is I hope it gets here before book. the end of the world. I know. I hope it gets here before next Saturday or else I'm screwed. Uh, you know, it's just uh, it's so incredible to to finish this one cycle, this, uh, you know, putting this book out and announcing, you know, uh, the end of time. Because um, it's just like, like I said, it's just like 9-11 is they, they, they put it in the media. Now you look at it. What do you think? It's an accident. They put it in, in, the, in the movie that many times. They wanted you to know it. They announced it. You're doing the same thing with next Saturday. So there's nothing you can do. You just got to hang on. It's not going to be scary. You'll see. You My know, goodness. You'll, you'll, we'll be going home. We're going home. We're going home. Yeah. I like that. Home. You'll see. I definitely like that. And David, I definitely want you to say goodnight to all the boys and girls out there. And of course, I want you to leave us with a final word before you part ways here. Well, you know, sailors, uh, They there's a quote that says that a skilled sailor was never born upon a calm sea. So all the things that we went through in this matrix was to create living souls that are more advanced and more expanded. That's all. You have to be put in a situation like you've never been before so you can expand. That's the only way. So that's what this was. But it's over. It's the end of the cycle. It's the age of Aquarius. Everything's going to implode, and then we'll, we'll do it again. We'll, we'll mock up something else. But, it, you know, that's the end of this whole thing. So if you think that this is going to play out, you know, that – Things more and more chemtrails and more and more poison. It could get much worse now. It's over. We'll see. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's end of days. It's perfect. It's love perfect it. End. <laughs> well, David, and, once again, I want to thank you tremendously for being a part of the program. Always an honor and privilege to have you on the program. And my God, your work is amazing. In my opinion, I think it's probably some of the most important illustrations we've ever seen. You definitely are the artist of our decade here. And 
That's D-D-E-E-S dot com, www dot D-D-E-E-S dot com, and order the new book, Volume 4. It is tremendous. It's top talent. It's something you will not regret. Your friends and family will love it. It will shock them and also um, enchant them. Shock and the them and enchant them too. And the children love it. I'm sure the children see the book and they see a, or they see the visuals and they're probably like, God damn, this is awesome. Especially, you know, teenagers. I mean, I'm telling you is that people that are ready to wake up, wake up, doesn't matter what age they are. Make them make you aware. Of it. Okay. Thank you very much. Agreed, buddy. Thank you so much, David. And we'll talk again very soon. I'll definitely have to bring you on again and we'll have you talk to another guest. It's always awesome to have you on. And I definitely want to get, I definitely want you to get some rest now. I know it's kind of late over there, but my goodness, David, thank you so much. And mahalo, my friend. Mahalo. See you later. Bye-bye. Take care, buddy. And there he goes, boys and girls. That was the one and only David Dees. Definitely get his work if you can. That's ddees.com. My God. What a show that was. I had a great time. I hope you did too. And as we take it home here tonight and pull this Larry Silverstein style, thank you so much for being here. I know it's Sunday, so I do appreciate all of your efforts to uh, participate in the chat room and also listen to all this. Remember, you can get a hold of me during the show via Twitter at Michael Deacon. Send me a message there and I'll do my best to respond. Don't forget, if you're a fan of the program and want to help fund the program, go to patreon.com forward slash Michael Deacon. Oh yes, bonus content if you need it and want it. It's there, and it's pretty goddamn good, I promise. International listeners out there, thank you so much for your support. I appreciate it, trust me. I love all of you out there. Top Talent Show yet again, what does the future have in store for all of us? Is this all just merely a figment of our imaginations? Is this a simulation? Who the fuck knows, but it's been fun, right? Life is a incredible fucking journey, and life is short, folks. I definitely want you to... Live the best life you can, and we are in that time in December, getting close to the holidays here. Christmas is near, and for many Americans out there, this is probably a pretty troubling time. Those who hate their families, hate their friends, oh, I understand, don't worry, keep your head above water, boys and girls. The sun will shine on you eventually. No matter where you are on this pale blue dot, I do wish you the best, friend and full. And with that said, the world is a mysterious place, and life itself is a mystery. Until next time, good night.